The Power Trip is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. You can find more, more phenomenal kaiju and tokusatsu content at kaijuramenmedia.com. What's up, everyone? It is JDF, the Green Ranger, and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's morphin' time. Lisa! Hello, listeners with Attitude. I'm Michael. And I'm Nathan. And we're continuing our journey through the Power Rangers franchise. In today's episode, we're discussing Power Rangers Time Force. Hey, Michael, what time is it? Is it time for time force? Uh, obvious joke is obvious. <laughs> oh, I'm so conflicted. Uh, I'm so conflicted, Nathan, because oh? I, I thought that I thought that in space was my favorite season. But now I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, we, oh, save it for later because just so all the listeners with attitude know, because we've gotten a little addicted to lightning rounds of late, <laughs> we are going to do a ranking episode <laughs> for yeah, the Spawn Era. Yeah, I, no, neither one of us know about what our uh, the other person's ranking is. Um, so we're, we wanted to save that as a surprise for mm -hmm. each other so that we yeah. have the most honest reaction that we can. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the so meantime, we, we have the final season of the Saban era to talk about today. And I anticipate it will rival in space in terms of comprehensive coverage. Does it feel a little bittersweet to you though? to get this, like to be this far into it. And now we're like, we're kind of closing the book on, a, on, on the first era of power Rangers. Yes. <laughs> because from what I've been able to gather, even with the black mark, that is turbo. I have a feeling the sub, the original Saban era is going to be my favorite era of power Rangers. Right. And, the, and we've talked about this before, depending on when you come into the show, whether you're a longtime fan, whether you're a longtime fan like me or you, or you're someone who came in later, that's going to dictate on what your favorite era of Power Rangers is. Now, I know I'm just kind of projecting here. I know enough about the next two eras of the show to be pretty confident that I think the original Saban era is going to be my favorite as well. But here's the thing. I'm willing to give the next couple of eras a chance because you and I have talked about this. I think we talked about this in the Lightspeed Rescue episode where we're getting ready to venture off into uncharted territory or at least at least a little shaky, at least a little shaky territory for the for the both of us, because neither one of us know a ton about about the about the eras that are coming next with Disney and then uh, Viacom, which AKA Neo Saban. 
Neo Saban and beyond. <laughs> yeah. Neo Saban and beyond. Yeah. It's like, we're, we're getting into some uncharted territory listeners with attitude yeah. and for, all, and for our people that have been listening to us so far, um, we've gotten a good response from, from the audience. You know, they like the fact that we're covering this show, that we're doing this show season by season instead of breaking down episode by episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting to, we're getting to people's favorite seasons a lot faster. And I'm going to be super curious when we get into that, uh, that like middle part of the Disney era. And then later on into the, uh, Neo Saban and beyond era, how like I'm I'm wondering how the audience is kind of gonna is gonna respond to the show when we start talking about those things because again we're kind of going in a little bit blind so mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to soak up this episode as much as humanly possible yeah well and speaking of fan response Michael oh okay good segue there buddy <laughs> we have a new review to read what we have a new review. <laughs> We're on fire. Uh, fire. This pod is on fire. <laughs> You're no Alicia Keys, my friend. Yeah, no I don't try to be. I was trying to make some sort of a fiery Power Ranger reference, but it wasn't coming to me fast enough. Later, but, later, later, yeah, later in the yeah. episode when we talk about we talk about something uh, a little bit later. Yes. But anyway, so yes, we have a four-star review on Apple Podcasts here from a fellow named Jay Mackey, who's been interacting with us quite a bit on Twitter. It's kind of funny. He's he's basically been tweeting live commentaries on our episodes because he's just been binging all of it. We'll take it. Yes, we will take it. The title of his review is A Great Power Rangers Podcast to Power Through. These two Power Rangers fans make a great team and an even better Power Rangers podcast, and it can be very hard to find an enjoyable one. Although not the funniest, guys. Well, there you go. I guess we're not as funny as we I thought. I guess we're Michael. not as funny as we thought. Okay. Uh, all right. They are, are all of those uh, all those Zio finale puns must have been too much for him. It must. Uh, that has that. to be <laughs> it. Jay, when Jay, when you listen to the, when you finally get to this episode, please write us in and tell us why we're not why we're not as funny. Is it? Did you get sick of the uh, the the puns in the Zio episode? Is that what it was? Was it too, was it too was it too many uh, bodily autonomy jokes? Um, <laughs> anatomical <laughs> anatomical jokes yeah yeah <laughs> the, at least they think they are so we're we're not as fu- uh, we're not the funniest but at least we think we are okay the audio could be louder that is actually a good piece of constructive feedback that is good Pre- to know we appreciate you and that. i have talked about that a little bit because sometimes zencaster's a wee bit goofy with how it you know, processes our audio so we mm-hmm. get it and uh, but that doesn't affect my enjoyment. I love the season by se- uh, by season decision, whereas too many Power Rangers podcasts try to crawl episode by episode. Thank you, sir. Do they have all the facts? No. Well, I mean, we try we cram a lot into we try we, we, <laughs> yeah. we try. But but to his point, it is really hard to get everything into one episode. Yeah. yeah. But. They are knowledgeable enough to keep me entertained in their two plus hour rambles. I don't wish the episodes were shorter. I want them to take as long as it takes. We have been given permission. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want the, okay. 
I think you will be like me and will be binging these episodes every second possible until you are done. It's an odd combination that is perfection. Well, thank okay. you very much, Jay. <laughs> I'm wondering about that odd combination, though. Like, what do you mean by that? Maybe, maybe I'm reading. Uh, a you're too well. Much. He, I think he's talking about the fact that you're a a weird dude, bro, <laughs> who, oh, uh, who's nice, on. who's nice to diva talks and. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. All right. We're not, we're not going there. I'm not a, I am not a dude, bro, sir. <laughs> Didn't you almost impregnate a, a Kaiju weekly episode recently? We're not going there. We're not going there. No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> guess what? It's time for plot synopsis. <laughs> Sidebar, before you start the plot synopsis, I just got to give a little clarity to the listeners with attitude. If you're wondering what the inside joke is there, <laughs> go listen to my other podcast where we we're with my co-host, with our co-host in common, Badumtish. <laughs> Travis Alexander called Kaiju Weekly, and we just did an episode on Star Crash. That really, that really quirky 1978 uh, Star Wars knockoff. From and- Italy. Yeah, from Italy and with Christopher Plummer and David Hasselhoff. And and the and basically the joke was we were going to go so hard on that movie that we might get it pregnant. There we go. <laughs> um which I, I which I know how that sounds. It sounds really creepy. I get it. I'm so sorry. But again, I'm not sorry because <laughs> I have a weird sense of humor. Anyway, <laughs> Um, odd combination we are. <laughs> an odd, an odd combination we are. Good sir. Yes. Sure. <laughs> anyway, before this gets too off the rails, tra- uh, I about called you Travis. Uh, before this gets <laughs> Freudian slip, much there. <laughs> before this gets too off the rails, Nathan, uh, go ahead and read our plot synopsis. <laughs> time for time force. The mutant criminal Rancic escapes from the year 3000 to present day with his bratty daughter and an army of robots. After seemingly killing Alex, the leader of the time force Rangers, Alex's fiance, Jen and the remaining Rangers travel to 2001 to capture the zealots. But Jen would rather see him dead. There they meet Wes, a rich kid who looks just like Alex, who becomes the new Red Ranger as they fend off attacks by the mutants. But even with help from the future, the Silver Guardians, and the Rogue Ranger, can the future be saved? I believe it can. <laughs> I, I believe I believe the future can be saved, to be honest with you. Um, so Nathan, Time Force, we are... We're at, uh, we're at the end of the, like we talked about, we're at the end of Saban era. And this is probably one of the, um, later seasons in the Saban era that people seem to really, really, really latch onto. Yes. And and rightfully so. Yeah. I I remember I said in the last episode on Lightspeed Rescue that I do feel like Lightspeed Rescue is a bit underrated and underappreciated because it just had to get sandwiched between Lost Galaxy and Time Force. I remember mm. when I was going through this, going through all of these shows, I watched Lightspeed Rescue and I was like, yeah, Lightspeed Rescue is pretty solid. I like it. And then I got the Time Force. like, oh my gosh, no wonder Lightspeed Rescue gets lost because it's followed by Time Force. And oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I mean, there's a there's a lot of um, there's a there's a lot of meat to Time Force. Whereas, you know, if we're if we're contrasting it with Lightspeed Rescue, Lightspeed Rescue was a decent season and they tried to cram so much into that season. They were going like different directions and like it, it I, at some points it felt like um, time for, or not time for it sound. It felt like Lightspeed rescue just didn't have room to breathe because they mm-hmm. were just trying to cram so much. The thing that I really love about time force is they can, they, they keep the pacing consistent from start to finish. Oh, very much so. Uh, the 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 series starts out with 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 a bang, literally, um, and then ends, and it, it it ends with such a. It has uh, to be the most subversive finale, if not just just subversive episode of Power Rangers ever. But we'll we'll li- get to that. We'll it's get a little to bit. That. It's a little bit, and I was watching. I was kind of reviewing and and looking back on that finale today, and. It's a little bit saccharine, I will admit, but it all works. And and incre- I cannot say this enough. Like the Power Rangers has definitely grown up with its audience throughout mm-hmm. these nine seasons. This well, is the ninth season in the in the franchise, and it's definitely grew. It's it's definitely grown up since 1993 in Mighty Morphin. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there there was a there were a lot of bold moves taken with this show so a lot of bold dialogue too yeah uh, sure for sure because this was as weird as this sounds this was meant to be a little bit more adult oriented because it wanted mm-hmm. to tackle some pretty serious and honestly heavy issues mm-hmm. and it was so <laughs> it was so dark heavy and adult oriented that apparently According to a few sources, I was tr- I was trying to confirm it on the Ranger Wiki because I could have swore I read this on the Ranger Wiki, but I couldn't find it. But I found it in some other sources, and I don't know if the if your visual guide makes mention of this. But for a hot second, apparently, they considered airing this in prime time, not as a yeah. Saturday morning show. It was going to air prime time next uh, it, uh, next to the X Files of all things. It was. Um... I don't have I don't have the visual guide in front of me. I should have grabbed it before we started recording, but I, I don't remember if it was in that book. But I know what you're talking about. Um, yes, th- this season was going to air in prime time because, like we like we just said, they are exploring some very deep themes um, that we will that we will talk about later on the episode when we get when we get to themes. But this was an yep. incredible this was an incredibly mature seer. This was an incredibly mature season for the franchise. Yeah, for sure. And you know, some of that is due to the Sentai it's based on, Mirai Sentai Time Ranger, mm-hmm. which, which I have I not seen. That was all, yeah, I haven't seen it all that much either, but from what I understand, it's also pretty dark. In fact, actually, mm-hmm. from what I hear, this uh, Time Force actually follows Time Ranger pretty closely in terms of adaptation. There's not a whole lot that's different. You can even tell that from the from the Saban footage that because this season it this season of Power Rangers feels a lot more seamless with its Toei footage, if that makes sense. Like where in past seasons they were kind of chopping and mixing and matching things, and you can kind of tell that. Uh, and even though aesthetically you can tell which is the Saban footage and which is the Toei footage, they still are able to combine them together 
in a way that makes the story make sense. And there's even yeah. some there's even some story beats in um, in the Toei footage in the in the time in the Time Ranger footage that blends almost seamlessly with what they were trying to do with mm -hmm. Time Force. Yeah, for sure. And th this is also interesting. We're getting to a. <laughs> One of the things I found fascinating looking up some background on this is this is kind of the first season where they we literally had actors on the show who grew up watching Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because several of the because several of our Ranger actors actually said, "Oh yeah, I grew up watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and now I am a Power Ranger." That's so weird to think about. It's kind of like how I found out that Peter Davison who was the fifth doctor on Doctor Who. He was the first actor they had playing the doctor. He was very young. He was like in his late 20s. He was the youngest guy to play the doctor for many years. Mm -hmm. And it was funny. He actually said, yeah, I was the first guy who got to be on the show who grew up watching the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just funny to think about, to be honest. But even with the similarities, there are some... There are some pretty big differences. We won't. I won't go into copious detail about it. But the biggest changes that happened compared to Time Force. Oh, compared to Time Ranger, is the villains. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, Gluto. You know the big pseudo frog mutant guy, whale. He's the main villain in Time in Time Ranger. <laughs> are you sure? Because I'm thinking it was Frax. Nope. I uh, I saw that on the Ranger Wiki. They said he was the main villain. Don Dol Dolnero. That was his name. Don Dolnero. Okay. So this is okay. So they're okay. So that I, again, I haven't watched time Ranger yet. It's on my list. I'm just kind of working through Sentai as I go, but which actually it kind of makes sense because calling him Don Donero makes it sound like they're a bunch of bank robbers, which plays really nicely into, mm -hmm. uh, which plays really, really nicely into some of that Toei foot Toei and Saban footage yeah. because the, yeah. Our Nadira, yeah, Nadira has a Sentai counterpart. It's kind of, it's kind of like a Viper situation where mm -hmm. it's the, her counterpart is played by a, by a Japanese actress, but she looks exactly the same in terms mm -hmm. of design. It's the same costume, the pink hair, right? And obsessed yeah. with jewelry and obsessed with jewelry and clothing. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing that's different is that Alex, Alex's Sentai counterpart, Captain Ryuya, mm -hmm. from what I was reading, is also a major antagonist. But they created Rancic because cool. they couldn't use the footage of Captain Ryuya being villainous because they would basically just be dubbing the footage because you would have to actually see him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they made Rancic. And I find that fascinating. It really, it, so it, yeah, it shakes things up a bit there, but it still follows a lot of the same beats, but yeah, Don Dolnero, if <laughs> he, he got a huge demotion <laughs> from time Ranger to time force <laughs> from main villain to uh, a dominant, the comic relief. Oh, how's it going? But we're jumping yeah. ahead a little bit to, little, you know, to little, the characters. Yeah. It's, but, it, 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 but it, it is, I will say this about, I will say about this about the character and then we'll move on. Um, he is one of the more unique 
looking henchman of the Ranger franchise. Yeah, sure, for uh, sure. He's, he's now, very memorable. Yeah. Now, it, the thing is, is the crew had such a, uh, the cast and crew had such a good time on this, and it was such a, such a success. It was the last Power Rangers show to air on Fox, by the way, entirely on Fox. But they had such a good time with it that they considered doing a second season or a movie. Interesting. Okay. I would have loved a Time Force movie. That would have been great. <laughs> I would have I would have loved something. I would have loved like a like a I showed you guys I think I showed you and Danny the video of the um of the Kaku Ranger uh, of the Kaku Ranger with Die Ranger with Jetman and yeah, a Ranger bunch of, it's a it was a, a like a, a it was a Super Sentai short film that was just a team up of five different teams. Yeah, it, it was a team up. It, it was like a, a 10 minute short film. It aired during a festival in Japan celebrating Sentai and I wish I would have loved to have seen like a short film or an extended episode sort of like um uh Legendary Battle Sounded like more, uh, 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 well, well not, not like legendary battle, but an extended uh, an extended, like shorter film, like 45 minutes to an hour's mm-hmm. worth of content the, of a, of a, of a unique story. Maybe yeah. it tells the story of the Rangers when they go back to the year 3000 and some of the problems they have to deal with there. Yeah. Um, so that could have been interesting, but that's yeah. really, dis- that's really disappointing. I, that's one thing I didn't know that they were actually looking into, uh, making a, another, uh, an actual movie out of time force that it was. so. Yeah. Pop- I knew it was yeah. popular, but I didn't know it was that popular. Yeah. The, the, this theory goes is that they decided against it because you guessed it. Turbo <sighs> moving on. So just, uh, something that should be noted. Not going to dwell on it all that much. And I'd be curious to see how this worked. But this was the Power Rangers season that was airing when the September 11th attacks happened. Mm-hmm. And so some of the episodes did get censored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the destruction scenes. Some of the some of the destruction scenes cut. were cut. The yeah. there was a there's a some, there's a shot of the time shadow Zord standing on what looks on buildings. that looks suspiciously like the tra- like the twin towers. And they cut that out. And then there was a whole episode that just, they just took completely out of rotation. Mm-hmm. It never got, it never got put back onto the rerun schedule. It was a uh, rancic lives. They just took that out completely. Which, um, if it, which is another, which is another, um, which is another case to be made for physical media because you and I, were able to see all those things that were delete that were left off of the television run in our rewatch yep. of the franchise. So, yep. Well, no, I don't think, I don't think they're censored anymore. It's just at the time they were at the time. Yeah. At the time they were censored. But if you get, if you have the DVDs, you get everything and you get everything now. Yep. Yes. So let's, uh, now that we've got the background, our way, let's go through our handy dandy patented power trip format here. We'll start with the theme song. <laughs> Catchy, pretty, mem- pretty memorable, um, a little bit more descriptive than Lost Galaxy. We talked about Lost Galaxy yeah. being kind of nondescript and just rah, yeah. rah, that's it. Uh, this is sim- it is, it's a little bit more descriptive, not entire, yep. not a whole lot more descriptive, but it gives you a little uh, bit more than Lost Galaxy. Yeah, it's a little bit more Wasserman-esque, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I've, 
feel definitely feels like it's part of the Power Ranger family musically. Mm-hmm. And, although I have to say, if I have if I have to give it a, a a big black mark, it has one line that I'm pretty sure only exists for the sake of getting a rhyme in there. Because, because you know, the lyrics are racing through oh to another time, chronomorphers are online, and then we get to where it gets weird because it's timeless wonders, fire and thunder. Why is that there? <laughs> yeah, it's a little odd. that is only there for a rhyme, <laughs> right? It's like they were like, we need something to rhyme. Okay, fire and thunder it is. We'll yeah, fix it later. Yeah, yeah. All to save the world. <laughs> then it's like, go, go, time for So it feels more like a Power Rangers song. It's not go, doing go, go, Power Rangers, but it's it's still in the family. You know, go, go, time force. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know. I was sitting here trying to think, what could they have what could they have replaced fire and thunder with that would have made way more sense? I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's not terrible. It just feels yeah. a little out of place. So it's just like, I, it's, it's just the line that says I exist only for the rhyme. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the rest of the song is fun. The rest of the, the song is very, great. The rest of the song is very catchy. Uh, I yep. find my, when I was doing, uh, when we were doing our key episode rewatch, um, I let the, sometimes I'll skip it especially if, whenever we're rewatching through these episodes and I'll skip the theme song uh, just because I don't want to hear it over and over and over and over. Uh, but this one, I actually let it play out the whole time because it is such a, it is such a catchy little tune for a, as mm-hmm. a theme song. Mm-hmm. All right. And now let's talk about our heroes this season. This is very interesting this is uh, this is a different team dynamic and it's this is true in the sentai for what i understand as well but this shakes things up a bit namely the red ranger is technically not the team leader he's Mm -hmm. the protagonist right but he's not the team leader this is the first and so far only time the pink ranger is the leader mm-hmm. very much so wes is kind of like leader in name only they need they needed wes mainly just to activate the other chronomorphers and that was it and we see that in the first couple of episodes where it's like we only need jen was like we only need you for this task and now that now that your task is over we don't need you anymore and so mm-hmm. she is jen is the leader of this team i feel like mm-hmm. now wes uh, our red ranger he does have a lot of growth and he, he, it's kind of like the, it's kind of the concept of he grows into the role of leader. And that, and Mm -hmm. as the, as the season goes on and as, and towards the middle part of the season, towards the end part of the season, he becomes the leader that they need him to be, but to be, but the first half of the season, Oh, it's no Jen. Jen's the leader. Oh, hands. Yeah. Wes's story played by Jason font. I want to put that out there. Mm Hmm this is a a prime example of just how character driven this season is. I mean, it's already unique in that this is the only power ranger or super sentai. As far as I know, that's time travel themed. So it's already unique in that regard. Mm -hmm. And, but you, on top of that, it's like I said, it's very character driven and Wes 
he grows so much over the course of this show. I feel like he everybody does. Everybody does, but Wes really does because he starts off. He's not a stuck up rich kid. He's a good rich kid, but he also has people remind him you had the easy life. You kind of had stuff th- uh, you know, handed to you. Jen even tells him, it's like, what have you ever sacrificed for other people? Mm-hmm. What have you ever done for others that you didn't get anything out of it? You, something you didn't buy. So right. she calls him out on it. Yeah. And he so, has, so we know he's a hero. But he has had it easy. And then he right. realizes, you know what? I have had it easy. I should, yeah. you know, I should start getting my hands a little bit dirty now. Yeah, he has a clear he has a clear level of privilege. Uh he comes from a very clear uh a, a clear degree a clear privileged background. Mm-hmm. Uh his his dad is the own his dad is the owner of a uh uh, bio, bio lab bio lab company, which is the yeah, most which generic. okay. I just want to throw this out here. I I thought of this while I was watching. Does it feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity that they didn't call the private security force biomen? As <laughs> like a deep cut Sentai reference. <laughs> there were okay, so there were some there were some deep cut references in this season to other franchises, and I could you know there was a couple of deep cut references to previous Ranger seasons and Sentai seasons, but I like the Silver Guardians. I get it; it fits it fits with the shtick. Yeah, but um, that it's an inaccurate name because none of them were silver at all. It's true. It is actually true. Yeah, that is such a lie. But anyway, we're uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit. But yeah, you're right. So he learns. It's like, yeah, I have to, I have to, I have to get my hands dirty. I have to get beyond this. Mm-hmm. And I think I've heard. I saw it was uh, the Disney Brain. I did a video on this, and he talked about how he thought it w- he, it didn't ring true for him that that any any of these characters would be doing the odd jobs things because that becomes one of their covers they mm-hmm. you know they do odd jobs you know nick of time haha <laughs> you know uh, nick of time odd jobs which it, it's that is in keeping with the sentai and i, mean, I get it but i my justification for it would be our time travelers are trying to keep a low profile and this is doing these as part of wes's growth as a character because Mm. he's going out and he's actually doing just manual labor, not necessarily manual labor, but like just doing blue collar work. Yeah. Blue. There we go. Blue collar. Yeah, work he's doing blue collar, honest work and you know, like literally getting his hands dirty. And you know, I, so man, I look at it as part of his growth as a character. He's, he's man, trying to get out from under his father's shadow because his dad has basically been trying to dictate his entire life. He's like, I got the whole thing planned out for you. And he's like, no, dad, I'm going to do my own thing. The man can't paint for crap. No, he can. (laughs) 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 But then, but no, uh, no, to your, but, but you're right to your, but to your point, I think it makes a lot of sense to have them do these odd jobs. Not necessarily. It's a convenient thing for the rest of our care for the rest of our Rangers, because they they're living in the year 2001. They need money. Uh, for food and amenities and whatever, you know, just to, just to live in this time period. But it's a humbling experience for, um, for Wes, because he does come from, he does come from a privileged background. So 
what better way to be to be the opposite of that than to do like manual blue collar labor? Yeah, like that is it's it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that makes his story throughout this interesting and a little <laughs> bit complicated, a bit, <laughs> is uh, he has a romance with Jen, and this is probably the first outright romance that we've had on the show since what Tommy and Kim. Uh, I mean, there was a there was some uh, there was some sexual tension between Cat and Tommy for a while, but it wasn't nearly as pronounced as him and Kim. Yeah, there was that, and then I'm trying to think of who else was. I'm trying to think of who else. I feel like there was a there was a romance. Um, oh well, we had Zane and Astronema, but that uh, that didn't last very long, right? Uh, Ashley and uh, Ashley and Andros. There was sexual tension yeah. between Ashley and Andros. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but they actually just went full tilt full tilt with this and it's a key part of the plot and these characters development over the course of the season and the reason it's complicated is because in true time travel fashion although they never really explain this although i'm guessing they're implying that wes is alex's ancestor which gets a little can get a little bit dicey but welcome to time travel (laughs) Uh, because Wes looks just like Alex, and we'll talk a little bit about Alex later in the supporting cast. And Alex was Jen's fiance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the and opening she act- thinks he's dead. Yeah, so they come back here because she's fueled by vengeance to get at Rancic. Yeah, because and then the she op- sees Wes and she freaks out a little bit because they look the same. But then she tries to blow it up by saying, "Like, okay, we just need him to unlock the morphers." And then she tries, to, then she's just mean to him. And I think it's because Wes reminds her of Alex. And so that's just, it's just too much for her to handle. Well, she, Wes reminds her of the, of the idea that she had of Alex. Well, that, and it also reminds, it also, but it also reminds her of, of her grief. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder of her. It's like a very present reminder of her grief. Right. The, oh, okay. And I say the idea, and I and I say the idea of Alex. Yes, uh, Wes and Alex are identical. Yeah, played by the same actor. Played by the same actor, uh, and you can tell when they try to be on screen together um, that they're green screening that hard. Um, but I've seen worse. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. You're right. I've seen worse. But um, I feel like the way Jen sees Alex is how Wes is. But we learn later on that Alex is not necessarily yeah. that that nice of a guy. Yeah, yeah, I have opinions about that. We'll we'll get to it. But uh, speaking of Jen, we need to talk about Jen. I'm good. <sighs> Jen is honestly one of my favorite Pink Rangers. I'm not ashamed to say that. Now I know that as harsh as this gonna is gonna sound, I don't think she's the prettiest pink ranger of the bunch. But good lord, you do not screw with Jen Scotts. I don't know you. Do you have eyes, sir? <laughs> oh, she. Have, I'm not saying she. I'm not saying she isn't pretty. I'm just saying. Have, I, I'm just saying. I think there are pink rangers. I think are a little bit prettier. But right. good lord, you do not screw with Jen Scotts. <laughs> I think what makes Jen so I think what makes Jen so important, and I'm just going to go on a limb and say that Jen is my favorite Pink Ranger. Taking nostalgia out of it, uh, taking removing my nostalgia from the equation, Jen is objectively my favorite Pink Ranger. 
Um, and I'll tell you, and I, and here's, and one of the main reasons why is she breaks that mold that's been established in power Rangers from the very beginning that our pink Ranger is supposed to be the bubbly one, the empathetic one, the, the, the girly one, you know, she breaks that because she becomes, you know, she's the leader. First of all, second of all, she is angry and bitter and just, just vent like vent like she is fueled by vengeance and revenge and she is not going to stop until she arrests rancic and brings him to justice <laughs> and <laughs> oh she says she wants to arrest him i think she wants him dead or she wants him destroyed which they uh, use yes, destroyed uh, a lot in this yeah, season they do but they also use the word die a couple of times. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're actually saying die. Yeah, yeah, because that's kind of a that's kind of a funny thing about the about the Power Rangers franchise, given the fact that it's a kids show. Um, they all they always substitute destroyed as a euphemism for killed or died. You know. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: you say that, and I agree. She does technically break the mold. But <laughs> here's the thing. I think it's because of how just emotionally shattered she was seeing her fiance be murdered in front of her. Because that's how the show starts. The show starts with Ranger murder. I think that broke her because we see her before that. And she's she's very happy. She's very feminine. She's, you know, she's grateful to be in a, you know, to be on the verge of getting married and, and, and things like that. It's her grief that hardens her mm-hmm. because she's like, I have to be the new team leader. Now I have to, av- I have to go get the man who killed my fiance and I have to bring him to justice. So she hardens herself. And then when she sees Wes and that reminds her of Alex, she hardens herself even more. She will not open up. And the, the other people on the team are like, Jen, you're such a stick in the mud, you know, have some fun, you know, and then over the course of the season, as she gets closer to West, she starts to open up and she becomes more feminine or at least more traditionally feminine. She starts to embrace that more because she doesn't have to be such, for lack of a better way to put it, a hard ass. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I think that that I think that's that that stoicness that that's in Jen was always there. But because of trauma, it became it, it came to the forefront. It was always there because she is, you know, she does work for are these. So is this a military operation or is this time police? I think it's time police or we're supposed to view it as time police. Uh, I don't I think it's more. Yeah, more time police. They don't really explain it. But this mm-hmm. is definitely a there a, a government position, kind of like Lightspeed Rescue. Right. So it's a good operation for sure. There, there's probably a level of stoicism with her already. It's just the fact of, you know, her losing Alex that just, like you said, it wrecked her. Uh, so where I, so where you and I will disagree um, is I think that she was always like that, but uh, she kind of, she seemed a little bit more bubbly and feminine as, as a contrast to the very, hard ass of uh of alex because alex yes, is a very for sure. hard yeah yeah but but look at what happens to her by the end of the season she goes from being so from being so hard and closed off to she's crying 
<laughs> when she gets sent back with the rest of the team back to the year 3000 because she doesn't want to leave. Yeah. You know, so there, there, the levels of vulnerability change drastically for her over the course of the, of the season. They do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which is one of the things that makes her such a great character. She's a great Pink Ranger, and she's just a great character all around. I, I Her and Wes are quite possibly the two best characters on the show or at least among I, the rangers they're 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 very much like they're like taking like the romance out of the equation they're probably one of the best duos in the franchise yes yeah far. and they really they're so good for each other they really mm-hmm. help each other out wes helps her to you know helps her to open up and jen hammers it into Wes that he's got to do more with his life. <laughs> you know, she, she helps, she helps Wes find, find that sense of purpose. Yes. Find, find she that gives direction. him a cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So they, and they, so they help each other out so much over the course of this now, I, but that isn't to sell the rest of our, uh, of our Rangers short though. So let, next we have Lucas, the blue Ranger, Lucas Kendall played by Michael Copan Copan. I don't know how you, I'm not sure exactly how to say his name. I'm going to be honest with you. He's probably the least interesting out of all of them. Yeah. He's, he's pretty one note. He's He's a little, I don't know if I would call him one note, but you know, he's basically the cool guy. He's the cocky one. He's cocky. He thinks he's the coolest guy in the room. He's got Mm. a good, he has a good sense of justice and duty, but he really thinks he's the cool guy in the room. He's supposed to be a a race car driver. I guess we still have cars in a thousand years in the future. (laughs) So there is some, he has some interesting focus episodes, but they're mostly comical in nature. Mm. They have two centered around him getting a driver's license. He's like, I don't need to get a driver's license. I can drive better than everybody. But Mm. because he's used to being a race car driver, he tends to drive recklessly. So that's where the comedy comes from. And then there's the unfortunate episodes where he gets saddled with a power, Kendra. <sighs> Which are kind of amusing because he's he thinks he's too cool for school, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Although I think my favorite of his focus episodes is where, for whatever reason, Nadira has the mother of all crushes on him. Yeah, here we go. And then she's going to go on a date. <laughs> here we go with another with another villain with an, an another crush on <laughs> an, on a ranger. I mean, like we've not seen this before. Except they go a very different route with it. They make it the whole thing, and in this case, it's very one sided. <laughs> the mm. deer is just like, "Oh, I like you," and he's like, "Oh no," <laughs> and then he's like. I don't want to deal with you. You're the you're one of the villains. And then <laughs> we also get to see Rancic be the overprotective dad, but he's also like, "Ooh, I want to help her out." <laughs> I want my daughter to be happy. <laughs> so this like the so it, it's playing into a lot of kind of funny character. It's using it's very character driven humor, mm-hmm. and it, because it's so character driven, I'm willing to go along with it, even though. It does pour it on a little thick at points, but again, it's so it works so well within the character dynamics that it doesn't. It still f- works, is it what I'm saying. It, it doesn't. It doesn't break anything. It does. It doesn't make you. 
it, it doesn't necessarily take you out of it too much no. where you can't enjoy it. I mean, it's just so funny because it's like Rancic for a minute forgets that he's a supervillain. And it's just like, he goes over to Lucas, just like, you treat my daughter with respect. She likes you. <laughs> I want my daughter to be happy. Like, he's just freaking out. Like, he forget he's not a supervillain. He's just a dad for a few minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's great. So not a whole lot happens with Lucas, but he does have, like I said, he's got some amusing focus episodes and he's a good foil for a lot of, the rest of the team because the rest of the team tends to be he's the most stoic probably out of everybody yeah so you know other than maybe janet points but so you know he kind of balances things out a little bit which i think is nice it does and then we have our yellow ranger katie walker played by deborah estelle phillips now katie's interesting very she's interesting she's a really tall black girl Really, really tall. Like she's WNBA tall. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's very tall. I noticed that. Yeah, uh, uh, compared to the rest of the cast, she's very, very. Yeah, she's very tall. She is very tall. She's about as tall as some of the boys. <laughs> but what's interesting about her in terms of how things work thematically mm-hmm. is because we have mutants and we have robots, and we'll get into it more later. But one of the big themes in the season revolves around prejudice and racism and bigotry. And what's interesting about Katie is that she's, they say she's human, but she has superhuman strength. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just one of those things. I'm just, I, I kind of want to know more about her background because like, how are you human, but you're super strong now that mostly gets played for laughs. There are some instances where she uses it, you know, in a, you know, more practically. So like she can pick up heavy objects and move them out of the way and things like that. There's even a bit where, you know, they're trying to pull up the bell in the clock tower. And then in a bit of foreshadowing that doesn't get paid off for about 30 episodes, (laughs) 30, 35 episodes. She, pulls it up basically with one hand and then in the toward the finale they uh, they cut the rope and you know the bell falls down so but uh and then her thing is that she likes to hug people she's very affectionate mm-hmm. and she doesn't know her own strength which i for what i read online that was actually the actress's idea <laughs> which is part of the which is part of the character humor for her yes like she kind of where she balances jen she balances jen out because she's definitely the um, she's definitely the bubblier of the two. Yes, at least throughout this season. So it's almost like the colors got reversed a little bit because mm-hmm. typically our pink rangers are the livelier, girlier ones, and the yellow rangers are a little bit more on the tomboy side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, she has a, she she has some she has a, a few like really uh, character focused, character driven episodes that are that are pretty decent. There's the, one the weird one that has almost no ranger action in it, where she. We don't know if it was a dream or if she went to the old West. That was a weird episode. That was a, that was a really weird one. Apparently they, they're still reusing the wild West planet anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the one I'm actually, the one I'm thinking of is where she does. She starts doing the odd job for the photographer and it comes yes. to find, and they come to find out that the photographer is trying to take photos of the Rangers identities. Uh, and that comes in, that becomes a really interesting uh, dynamic there because she's working for the guy that's trying to 
uh, basically expose her. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and all of them. Mm-hmm. Ex- yeah. Expose all of them. And it's just a really interesting thing. And, and yeah. by the end of that episode, there's, there's some really nice character growth for her and uh, the gentleman, the photographer. Yeah. the photographer himself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's interesting. Cause the the Rangers are trying to keep secret identities in this. They probably don't in the future. They're probably publicly known in the future, but they have to keep their identity secret here because Temporal Prime Directive, <laughs> if you've seen Star Trek, although but they don't really talk about but that. But here's the but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The the villains are moving around freely and doing whatever they want to do. And we've already established that, you know, Rangers can exist in in a public way with Lightspeed Rescue. I'm not sure why, you know, I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure what the big difference is unless yeah. It's a top secret mission, quote unquote. Yeah, and they have to be a little bit more covert about it. But but yeah. I'm but I'm with you. They're they're obviously time police, and they're obviously it's a governmental job, and everyone knows. I'm assuming in the in the year three thousand, who Time Force is. So it's just probably common knowledge there. I guess the reason why they're trying to keep it secret is because it would take too much explaining to the general population. Yeah. Like, where did you come from? Why are you here? Yeah. And, it's like, and then it's suddenly it up the timeline. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they've barely come to accept things like aliens and giant robots. And now it's just like, you're throwing time travel. and They're probably like, what? <laughs> What's really funny is in that first episode, when they come back to the year 2001 and they're, all there in their space clothes and their uniforms, their uniforms and they got their matrix glasses on. And, <laughs> I want uh, those sunglasses. I want those sunglasses <laughs> so bad. They have their matrix glasses on and they're the worse. That's just one of several matrix references in this show. Oh yeah. Like the, the first, the first two episodes alone are littered with matrix references. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that. But, um, they appear in this, what looks like a shopping center and when they show up, everyone's like, what? Who are they? <laughs> like you have this one guy, like the comically, the comedically surprised guy uh, looking over his glasses like, what did I just see? <sighs> um, I don't know. It, in a world where Power Rangers, monsters and giant robots exist. Why are these people so surprised by any of this? Eh, maybe it's because it's in their town and they don't have rangers. I mean, well, oh, keep in mind, keep in mind, this is something that dawned on me. This is like a weird, overthinking English major nerd thing. I it dawned on me mm-hmm. that until Wild Force, the only terrestrial ranger team that we have is Lightspeed Rescue. The rest of the Rangers are basically retired after Countdown to Destruction. Mm -hmm. The Galaxy Rangers are off planet. Mm -hmm. And Time Force, most of them are from the future. Lightspeed Rescue is the technically the only terrestrial Ranger team at this point until Wild Force. Makes sense. I, I never really I've never really thought about that, but you're right. Like it's just all like all these seasons start blending together after a while and you just, uh, you're, but you're right. I've never really sat and thought about it, that they all, that Lightspeed rescue is the only terrestrial, uh, uh, team that, that, that work, that works and lives and work and, uh, basically exists in the public, in the public eye. Yep. It's just a funny thought that occurred to me. So maybe that's why it could be a little bit of that, but you know, the other thing that's amusing about Katie is we find out and, (laughs) 
it's fill it's a filler two parter, but I actually really enjoy the episode just because of how nerdtastic it is. It's so full of references. And that was the movie madness two parter with the where the monster of the week was an evil movie director. <laughs> okay, that was funny. Cinecon, was- I love that guy. I love the I love that two parter, and we find out that that Katie loves musicals. <laughs> she wants to be in a musical. <laughs> That would be that would be Travis's favorite ranger thing. He loves musicals too. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Our co-host in common. Yeah, you should love her. But anyway, now we move on to Power Trip. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to get us another one star, Nathan, for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so obvious. He's it's a he's his name is Trip with one P. I thought it was two, mm-hmm. but no, it's one P. Mm-hmm. And he's a Power Ranger. <laughs> the joke must be made. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 low hanging fruit. There, it's just low hanging. Most fruit. puns. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But Trip, uh, Trip is Trip is our Green Ranger, and what mm-hmm. makes him really interesting is he's actually an alien. Uh, yes. he is the name of his home planet escapes me at the moment. It's but like Syrian. So, yeah. It, something like that. Yeah. And what makes him really unique is he ha- he has this diamond in the, in the middle of his forehead and he can see, uh, he can, he can see he's a mind reader. He's a mind reader. Yeah. He's telepathic. He oh, that power is a little bit inconsistent. A bit. Oh, like uh, it, Zybria. X Y B R I A Zybria. Oh, that makes okay. Now I remember that because he said he's Zybrian because in yeah, our Zybrian. I was I, I was having a hard time understanding that. Yeah. In one of our one of our key episodes, uh, uh, Trip takes a stand. Um, I think it's called Trip takes a stand. I'm pretty it sure is. that's what it's. Yeah, it's called Trip takes a stand. He explains that he is from that planet and yep. that he is he is also looked upon, uh, and kind of um there is some prejudice against him because he yeah. is so different. Yeah. Which, but there doesn't seem to be nearly the same level of prejudice with aliens as there is with mutants, which I find interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's an interest. It's kind of interesting to see how this, how the, you know, the power ranger universe timeline plays out because I know SPD deals a lot with, I guess what we would term xenophobia because mm-hmm. people don't like aliens. Right. In yeah. that show. Yeah, it deals like SPD also deals with some, yeah, with xenophobia, racism and. and yeah. Yeah. And I, let me tell you stuff like uh, stuff like that. I'm going to be talking about a lot when we get to the thematic section, because, yeah, the future that we, uh, the, the year 3000 in this show is it's interesting. But getting back to trip power trip, if you will, he's the heart of the team. Mm-hmm, for sure. Oh, yeah. absolutely. He's very much the heart of the team. He's the he's the one who's always he's he's usually the one who's most concerned. I think it makes sense given that he is telepathic. He can get into people's heads, so he's probably naturally empathetic mm-hmm. and compassionate because of that. He has uh we've talked about it a bit. He has the, an episode that we'll talk a bit more about when we get to the thematics where it's kind of like the the waspicable episode of yeah. of uh, in space with Cassie where mm-hmm. he's trying to protect the monster of the week and because he knows that this monster is 
not does not want to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. And that episode feels I don't know that that episode, the episode in Time Force uh, trip takes a stand hit me in a hit me in a little bit of a different way than even the waspicable episode. Um, because it was such an emotionally driven, uh, yes. episode of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And trip knows what it's like to be different if in very, in a very, uh, you know, Spock fashion, you know, thinking back to sitting on the edge of forever where Spock had to wear a sock cap to hide his ears. He wears, he wears, uh, it's basically a fishing cap to hide the, his forehead diamond. Yeah. It's also probably so they didn't have to put the prosthetic on his head every day, but Right, but uh, but that hair's a wig. He didn't dye his hair, so he's wearing a wig. So he's got the you know he's got the green hair. Although I don't think the green hair. They told him he basically had to wear. I think it was to hide the diamond, but I think it was also because they're like they don't want him to call so much attention to the hair. And I'm like, nowadays I don't think anyone's gonna be batting eye at green hair. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. No, but I do think it's cool that he wear that he has green hair because he's a Green Ranger. I'm surprised mm-hmm. that isn't done more often. The dyed hair. It's very, these rangers are are no different. They're very color coordinated. Yes. Although they give him a little bit more color in this one because Trip, he has a green shirt in his civilian outfit because Wes tells him that they have to dress like modern day people. It's an orange (laughs) uh, windbreaker. He wears an orange jacket, which I think is cool. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of which, uh, we need to talk about the costumes, I think, really briefly here. Now, my friend Chris Cook has gone on record as saying he's not the biggest fan of these costumes. He doesn't hate these costumes, but they're not top tier for him. I like these costumes. Now, Chris says that he doesn't like it because he doesn't like the colored visors. I don't see a problem with the colored visors. Oh, you're talking about, okay, so you're talking about the actual Ranger Costumes, yeah, the ranger not, costumes, not the white, you, not the white time force uniform. No, no, no. I'm talking about the actual okay. uh, Power Ranger costume. Okay. I these are these are not necessarily my favorite costumes either. Um, the colored visors don't bother me, honestly. Uh, the colored visors just don't really bother me all that much. I'm kind of I'm gonna deviate from Chris from Chris there and, um but these costumes are not my favorite because I don't know. It's like, it's those big shapes on their chest that look a little bit weird at times. It's still know. better than the lost gal than the lost galaxy suits. Oh, every, anything's better than the, than the Charlie Brown chevrons of lost galaxy. That's, that's a hundred percent true, but yeah. there have been better costumes. I think even Lightspeed rescue had better costumes than this, in my opinion. Well, and I will um, admit the, our sixth ranger, we'll get to him in a moment. It is a little bit weird. I actually heard somebody when I was standing in line to meet JDF say he didn't like Time Force because they had two Red Rangers. And I'm like, I don't see a problem with this. Although, admittedly, the Quantum Ranger costume is just the Time Force Red costume, but with black instead of white and some sort of aggressive jagged edges added to the visor and the sh- and the arrow thing on his chest. Yeah, it kind of looks like a. Um, it's easy kinda, to get them confused. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of looks like a, like a, like a, like a meat hammer. I don't know, like the, like you would anyway. Yeah, yeah that's probably, that's probably not making sense at all. But um, these are not my favorite. I wish they like for this to be a police force. I wish they were just even more uniform. How how the in space costumes were, they're very uniform 
except for maybe their visors. I wish that these costumes, maybe specifically just the, 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 the costumes themselves, not necessarily the helmets. You can keep the helmets the way they are, but make the costumes a little bit more uniform than they were because some shapes look good. I think, um, in all honesty, I think that the blue Ranger costume in time force looks the best out of all of them. So if they could have just modeled the visors and the costumes after that, and then made it uniform across the board, I think that would have been a better idea. Um, there's just not, there's just not enough differences I guess to warrant, there's just not enough differences in the logos themselves, the the shapes to warrant doing these different costumes. I just think yeah. it should have, I think it just should have been more uniform. They're not my favorite either. So I, I agree with Chris. Um, they look good. They did. They look better than lost galaxy, but that's not a hard bar to cross over. Um, yeah. but I just wish they were a little bit more uniform, like similar to what we got in, 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 in space. Yeah. Now what I find kind of interesting is that even though the yellow time ranger is male mm-hmm. and in time force it's female mm-hmm. we the girls still have the softer shapes because they have the round visors the round shapes i mean to be honest with you jen's shape and visor look mildly like a heart <laughs> yeah hers looks like a heart um uh, uh katie's looks like a kind it's of an like a, oval yeah, kind of, but it's got like a little pinpoint at the bottom, so it kind of looks like a spade. Yeah, a, a little a bit, way. but it's still compared to all the boys, it's softer because all of the little boys all have solid angles very, and shapes. Very aggressive, yeah, very yeah. aggressive shapes. Uh, the Quantum Ranger in particular looks really aggressive. I just think it's kind of funny how that design aesthetic, even though the yellow Time Ranger from the Sentai footage is is male, it still mm-hmm. carries over. It's just kind of funny how that works. Kind of like how the Space Rangers, the the girls' help visors are were rounded, so they're a little bit softer compared to the boys that that had slightly sharper angles. I mean, you could get into a little bit of color theory there if you wanted to, and and because yellow is seen as more of a feminine color or more of a uh, kind of a softer color. Um, Mm-hmm. as a like pink it's it's pink and yellow are seen mm-hmm. kind of like as a softer more well colors th- well in the color theory i learned in college pink was symbolic of femininity which is why mm-hmm. you yeah. know all the pink rangers generally speaking are girls right. but yellow is interesting because yellow in the theory i learned could be blindness enlightenment or both at the same time enlightenment was always what i heard yellow was uh, at least the color theory with yellow uh enlightenment uh and where or i'm a where i'm a <clears throat> art director by by trade um joy you know um yellow can also be yellow is an interesting color because it can also symbolize empathy which i learned that uh a little while ago when we were at work we were discussing color and color theory but uh mm-hmm. yellow can also in to a degree mean empathy so mm-hmm. interesting interesting but anyway let's get into our supporting cast we've uh, we'll talk more about trip a little bit later cuz he's got a pretty big episode in terms of thematics oh yeah for sure so supporting cast circuit is adorable you know moving on <laughs> you, you, I, I was just going to say you know uh, on paper 
I think maybe even when I was younger and I caught a little bit of time for us when it was on TV, I'm like, uh-huh. why do we have a little robot owl other than the cute factor? But here's the thing. It would have been very easy to just make him cute robot, a cute, highly marketable robot character. Right. Now, it's this is from the Sentai, but here's the thing. They write Circuit. Just, Circuit even gets like focus episodes. It's so weird. He gets focus episodes and he's adorable. He's not saccharin. Uh, he's played pretty straight, but he's endearing. It reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of, um, it's been a while. It's been a hot minute since I've seen Clash of the Titans. What was the little Bubo? Uh, Bubo. Yeah. Reminds yeah, Bubo. me. Yeah, but reminds me a lot of Bubo. Our friend Danny Demano will appreciate that quite a bit. I would. I, I have zero doubt that Bubo inspired Circuit. Oh, I have. I have zero doubt either. But you know, owls are owls are seen seen as animals that kind of represent wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, and and definitely Circuit plays that role. He he's he's the gap filler. He's like kind of like he's the uh, he's their he's, link to the future. He's yeah. He's the link to the future. And he's the database they can pull from when they need information about the monster of the week or the Zords. Yeah. There was a couple of times in this, there was a couple of times uh, in the series where Cirque was like, I don't have information on this particular mm-hmm. Zord, but name specifically the time shadow Megazord. He didn't have information on that one, but typically circuit is seen as like the, the bank of information. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I just want to say this really quick because it should be mentioned. One of circuits, uh, it, the, Focus episodes was dedicated to Tui Trang because it aired yes. right after she died. So mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. So when you watch that episode, it says that it's dedicated to Tui Trang, which is great. Mm. But, you know, God rest her soul. Anyway, I, like I said, he's adorable. He's endearing. It's, it, it's, they don't pour it on thick. It would have been so easy to pour it on thick. If this had been like, I don't know. Maybe even if this was Mighty Morphin, they might have poured it on a little thick, but they don't here. And I love the fact because it could have been such a dumb character and he's not a dumb character. In a way, he's kind of like, he's almost like Alpha with a bit of Zordon thrown in. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not a mentor, but like you said, he's the knowledge bank that they have to go to mm-hmm. in order to figure. And sometimes he's they he's helps them problem solve. So like, assistant. how do we beat this monster? We're not, this is not working. And then he helps them to figure it out. He's an assistant. Yeah. yeah. He's just, a, he's just, he's an assistant. So I have to ask you, Nathan, we've went, this is the ninth, this is the ninth Power Ranger season we've talked through. And we've seen a lot of these types of characters come and go over the course of this, over the course of this rewatch. Where does circuit rank for you as far as like assistance, uh, ranger assistance, keeping thinking about alpha and Decca and, and all these others that we've, that we've interacted with so far. That's hard. Cause I do like alpha. I do like alpha. Are we talking alpha five or alpha six? Uh, just alpha in general. You can talk because alpha Uh, does, uh, you know, like, like alpha tur- does have tur- some- uh, turbo alpha six is just right out <laughs> in space uh, like yeah post turbo alpha six legitimate but <laughs> well because but- alpha does have some very he does have some character focused episodes in mighty morphin and in in, in space oh you, on- you mean his magical no. christmas <laughs> no, <not> just- <laughs> you know no. we're gonna have to cover that <laughs> 
<laughs> not just the mad. Yeah, we'll do it as a bonus episode, but um, <laughs> not just the magical Christmas. I'm talking about um, in Mighty Morphin where he, where Zordon. There's been a, there was a few episodes where Zordon was was gone. Yeah, like green with evil. Yeah, green with evil. Yeah, we're green with evil. Where where Alpha was literally the hands and feet of Zordon at yeah. that in that moment because he yeah. was the only he, connection. He, the yeah, Rangers he had. had to step up, which is good because mm-hmm. he's he's a neurotic robot, so he's very nervous. And you know, and so that yeah. you that's how you work with a character like that. You put them in very uncomfortable situations where they they, they kind of have to take charge, and they would rather not. Circuit is not neurotic. He's a bit quirky. Mm-hmm which I like about him. He's just quirky enough, but he's definitely, you know, I'm not going to say he's more useful than alpha because alpha was actually very useful. Despite, oh, alpha was his, very useful. despite his neuroticism, he was actually very useful. So I would probably rank circuit pretty high. Although Decca is an AI in a transforming warship. Yeah, but Circuit's a really adorable blue owl. This is also true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, he's definitely more adorable than Decca. I okay. So for me, I I I rank Decca pretty low because although there is that although there is her connection to the mega ship, and she is and Decca is useful. Decca is also just an AI. She's also just a machine. They yeah. they try their best in in space. They do their best to give her some kind of personality, but sometimes it works and sometimes it didn't. And for me personally, it's hard to pick between Alpha and Circuit. I I lean Alpha. My nostalgia and my love of this franchise leans Alpha because Alpha to me is a little bit a little bit more useful. Because Alpha, it literally has hands and feet. He can he can actually do things mm-hmm. uh, with those with his, with his hands. Whereas Circuit, you know, he's he's a bank full of information, um, but he can't really do a whole lot um, physically anyway. So it just I guess it really just kind of depends on on what the use case is and 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 the strengths versus and the strengths yeah. and weaknesses. I personally would love to have myself a little Circuit. I to would talk, too. I to actually talk to every day. I actually would kind of like to have a little circuit toy. I, I don't know if there was a circuit toy, but I kind of want a circuit toy. How that would be like the weirdest lightning collection figure ever. Can you I imagine bet. if they made a circuit light lightning collection figure? <laughs> I'd buy it. I'd buy it. <laughs> I totally would. It, uh, bring back Furby, but make it circuit. so it actually talks to you 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 can connect it to the internet so it's like siri you know (laughs) you're like you get an app for it and you talk to it it's like circuit (laughs) uh what's two plus two you know (laughs) start answering questions for you yeah we need more circuit we need more circuit because he's adorable all right and then we have there's not a whole lot to say about this guy but captain logan He's there. Yeah. He taught, he's the commander of time force. He sends them things. He occasionally yells at people. Uh, You don't Eh. really, his involvement gets less and less as the series goes on. Yeah. Because it it just turns into, 
it, it may, it honestly just turns into by the time it's by the time, by the end of it, it's circuit. We need the Megazord coming right at you, boss. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Like, they they, they, they just point, pass him. Yeah. But pretty yeah. much. His involvement becomes much steadily less important as time goes on. But yeah. now we have to talk about Mr. Collins, Wes's dad. Oh, good Lord. This man. This man goes through a character arc, too, just like his son. I and mean, near, I mean, almost, you know, near death experience will do that to you. Well, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It would have been really easy to just write him as the jerk rich guy who yeah. only cares about money. And there are points in the season where I think the show wants you to think that's his primary motivation. The other characters think that is his only motivation. But as the season goes on, we find out that he actually does care about his son. I think the... You know, this is, I don't think they ever mention this, but we never see Wes's mother. So I, but, the, and they never talk about that. So I'm kind of wondering what we're dealing with here. So do you think that Mr. Collins divorced Wes's mother, or is it a case of he's a, he's a widow, a widower? What's going on here? I, my theory has always been that he's a widower because. <clears throat> Because of, of the fact that he he has such he he tries to have such a tight grip on Wes. Like that is indicative of someone who's maybe lost something mm -hmm. uh, early on in life. Mm -hmm. Uh so may they, and again, they don't talk about this. Like they don't mention her. Uh they if they do mention her, it's in passing or it's just like a, a one a throwaway line. But I'm picturing my theory on Mr. Collins is he's a widower. And he just doesn't know how to deal with it. And so he, he, he tries to have this tight grip on Wes and, um, you know, there's, there's conflict there obviously, but like, I feel like that maybe since he has lost somebody, his wife, that he's trying to hold on to Wes and manipulate or maybe not. I don't even no, think, not manipulate. I don't think manipulate. It's not manipulate. It's, it's more not, like, it's more like I've planned out your life and you're going to have a good life. Yeah. You know, you're going to take over for the family business, son. You know, it's more like it's kind of like steering. It's not it's not it's not it's like steering. It's not um, it, it, what I, what I say just now. What word did I just use? Um, steering. Manipulate. It's well, not, not manipulate. It's not, not manipulation. It's, not, it's it's not manipulation. It's steering Wes yes. in the direction that he should go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I my personal theory, I think is I think he's a widower. Yeah. Now, and now here's the thing: the we know as the season progresses, even before he has his near death experience, we get the impression that yeah, his dad is a businessman and is profit motivated, and very sees profit. a lot of. He's very much a capitalist. He's looking at things like how can I make money off of this? Mm -hmm. You know, that's why he started the Silver Guardians. But it's they protect the city, but but only those who are paying clients. Mm -hmm. You know. And it's a little bit on the it's it's a little bit on it's a little bit on the exploitative side though. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. But despite the fact that he's a bit of a control freak and trying to dictate to Wes what he's doing, we can tell that he genuinely loves his son and wants oh, yeah. the best for him. And Wes, despite some issues that he has, this is so fascinating. If, 
father-son relationships are huge in fiction and not as much as they used to and i wish they were they were done better (laughs) in a lot of modern media because they are very important relationships very resident relationships and wes wants his father to be proud of him Mm. and i think mr collins wants to be proud of his son but he had to learn to let go and because that's the thing that's so fascinating because he says later that he respects Wes for standing up to him and deciding what to do with his own life as opposed to just going with the plan that he had for him. He actually says, I respect my son for doing that, even though we're a bit estranged now because of it. Yeah, it's in the episode. I can't remember what the, I cannot remember what the episode title is, but um, it may okay. be during I, mean, I think it may be during Clash for Control. No, where- uh, you're talking about when he stands up to Rancic. Yes, when he said when he said, yeah, that's in one of those the destiny. It's like that destiny trilogy episodes. Keep talking. I'll find it right where he where he he basically does. He makes the admission. I've always of destiny. Yeah, I've always been proud of my son. I've always been proud of my son, but um, I get the impression that he I, I do get the impression that he has always been proud of Wes. But on the flip side of that he sees so much potential in Wes. He wants to kind of channel that potential yeah. in a, in a way that's productive and in a way mm-hmm. that's going to leave a legacy for their yeah. family. Yeah. Which is what a father does, right? Exactly. Yeah. He's a little misguided, but I, he genuinely cares. He wants to be a good dad. He's, he's mis he's a little misguided. He's, he's very much dogmatic, uh, in his approach. And, you know, if I would honestly, if, if I had a dad now, my dad was not like this. My dad was a little, my dad was a, was a hard ass, but my dad was not anywhere near as pushy as Mr. Collins was, but I do, but I did have friends in school that had dads like this and it really messes with you. It really, really messes with you. And it, and, and it can turn and, and honestly, if you, if you pressure a kid too much, it can turn a good kid in, in the wrong direction really quick because Mm -hmm. the, the tendency for, you know, adolescents and adults is like, if you, it's that, um, it's that teenage young adult angst, you know, if you, if if you're trying to force somebody to do something for so long, of course, they're going to, of course, they're going to buck you when you're not, uh, and I did say buck. Yes. Of course, of course they're going to, of course they're going to buck you when, when they're also at the same time trying to find out who they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we know that that their love for each other is very genuine because watching the scene when because Mr. Collins nearly gets murdered by Rancic and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they actually did it. I thought they were really going to go through with it. There's a lot of almost death in this in this season, not unlike Lost Galaxy, to be honest. And the scene where because Wes is told by spoiler warning Alex that his father's going to die and then we'll talk more about how that doesn't happen later but when Wes goes to the hospital and he really does think his father is either dead or dying and he gets there and the hospital bed is empty he breaks down and it's it's a heart-wrenching scene Jason Font really sells the emotion of that scene Mm-hmm. And then his dad comes in and that's when, yeah, he has that heart to heart with him and he tells him, I've always been proud of you. In mm-hmm. fact, it was, 
I, I think I saw you and it gave me, you really saw Alex, but uh, I, I, I saw you and it gave me the strength to go on. Yeah. And Which, yeah. you know, his dad dying was always the plan. Like you, it's, it's obvious that his dad was going to die. It was always in the plan for his dad to die. And this is actually, and we can kind of probably transition from here into Alex. If you want to talk about Alex, uh, it plays into some character growth, even for Alex in this moment. Yes. Yes, it does. And so let's talk a bit about Alex. So he's played by the, by Jason font as well. But he's basically everything Wes isn't. <laughs> exactly. He is the polar opposite. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, but he is hard-nosed. He is one. We talked about how Kai from Lost Galaxy was very by the book. Alex is even more rigid than Kai ever was. What's a what, a word we do, a word we've used on this show before was pragmatic. Would yeah. you describe Alex as more as as more pragmatic? He's pragmatic to the point of honestly being pretty cold. Mm-hmm. But I, the thing is, is we, the Alex we see later compared to the Alex of that first episode felt, felt different enough to me that I will confess to you the first time I watched time force, I thought he was an imposter. I really thought that this wasn't actually Alex. Alex was dead, but now mm-hmm. there's somebody who was masquerading as Alex who's trying to manipulate events, manipulate the timeline and screw with the Rangers. I really thought that was going to happen, but I think what they actually wanted you to do and watching the show for the podcast, I was able to gleam this a little bit more because I didn't have that expectation anymore. I had mm-hmm. built that up in my head and now seeing it now, I see it like, I think the idea is that even though the, I barely survived explanations a little bit flimsy admittedly. And even the other Rangers are like, what the heck happened to him? He wasn't like this before. I think the idea is that they're seeing the real Alex. Now, maybe he was able to put on a little bit of airs as the Mm -hmm. commander that nobody really knew how, what he was like. Do you think, uh, and this is, I'm going to go back to my original question when we were, when we started talking about Jen, do you think that Jen was a little bit blinded by her love for Alex? I think so. Not see, to not see that he was kind of an a-hole. <laughs> I think, I think honestly that she was, but I also think, like I said, I think he was putting on a bit of airs. Mm-hmm. You know, he had, he conducted himself in such a way that nobody knew how, how deep his a-holery went. <laughs> no one, no one really knew how big of an a-hole he was until they met Wes and they saw that and they and I, and I guess they basically had this realization of, oh, we can have a really effective leader without him being a pragmatic a-hole. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that's that's fascinating because that Alex shows back up. We had seen hints of him and it's like the most obvious. They tried to play it up as this big mystery, but it's just like, guys, we watched- know. <laughs> yeah, we, I watched Time Force for the first time uh, a few years ago, and I knew immediately that was going to be Alex. Yeah, because like, he and he's yeah. the one running the time shadow and things like that. He's monitoring things because he's trying to make sure that the timeline progresses how it needs to. But now he's to the point where it's like, I have to get directly involved. He becomes the Red Ranger again for a few episodes. And they don't like it. 
And that also plays into Wes's story because he's trying to run the company for his father while his father's in the hospital after Rancic tries to murder him. And, you know, so, so it plays into all of the storylines very well. It's because Alex basically says, no, Wes, you have to, your, your dad's going to die and you're going to have to run the company. That's the only way. That's the only way the timeline works. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other Rangers tell us like, we were stronger with Wes, not with you. If you were a good leader, you would see that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I find that fascinating because that's something that, so Alex has an arc too. He's still a jerk by the end of the season, but he's, he becomes less of a jerk, but it's, but he realizes like, you know what? I, he, I think he understood that sometimes as a leader, you have to make the decision to delegate responsibility to someone who is better at it. And I think he realized this team is better with Wes as the Red Ranger, not me. And I have yeah. to make that decision. Right. Because you have to, and oftentimes you have to pair the leader with your team. Like a real world, a real world example. The team I have at work, I have a few guys, I have a few people that work under me. Um, we're all sort of on the same, we're all on the same level, but there's a clear hierarchy between me, the art director, and then the other, the other, uh, uh, junior designers. Okay. So we try to pair, uh, we try to pair like team leaders with the team because we're trying to figure out who works best with who are you tracking with me? Yes. So, um, it's not uncommon for, um, for you to want to do that because you know, certain, certain, certain teams don't respond well to, to certain personality types. And apparently this team functioned more efficiently as with Wes than they did with Alex. And that's kind of prevalent because in the first episode, they're sort of awkward and they're fumbling a little bit and they don't know, they're kind of unsure of what they should do. And they're, uh, they're, they're, they're confident, le- their confidence level is really low, but with Wes, it's, a, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. Well, and Wes was beneficial for them because he was from the year 2001. He knew how to navigate things. He got them the clock tower because when you're a time traveling superheroes, your base of operations has to be a clock tower. It's an unwritten rule. We've all seen Back to the Future. We understand this. <laughs> yeah. a, or Batman 89 for that matter, because there were scenes in the clock tower that made me think of Batman 89. <laughs> but so they under so he was very beneficial for them because they were out of their element. So I think that was one of many things that Alex had to come to grips with and realize. If they're going to continue their mission in the year 2001, they need Wes to do it. I need to step aside. I can still be basically, I'm going to, he's, he ends up replacing Captain Logan. Basically he becomes their link to the future. He gives them overarching orders, but he is no longer their field commander. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's still meant to be Jen. I think Jen is still, because once Alex was out of the picture, she basically filled the gap, but they still needed a Red Ranger. So there's a lot of humility going around here. You know, uh, Alex has to learn to step aside as leader. Wes has to learn to not lean into his money and privilege. Jen has to 
you know, make herself vulnerable to the team and especially to Wes. She has to come to grips with everything happening with Alex. That was a big deal like because she ends up basically picking Wes over Alex. Mm-hmm. And it was done in such a such a mature fashion, too. It would have been really easy for her to just go on some like minute long diatribe about how he's not the man that she used to know or whatever. And all it really amounts to is she says, I have to go back and gives him the the engagement ring back and just leaves. Yeah. Yeah. It was this is a remarkably mature show <laughs> growing up with its audience, like we've been saying. And yeah, so everybody is experiencing, most of them, I should say, are experiencing some, some form of growth. Now, he's still a bit of a jerk. Is he still more, he's still pretty rigid and by the book, but, you know, but it's to make him a foil to Wes. And kudos to Jason Font for playing both of these characters and playing them both well. Yeah, because uh, that's what I was going to point out. It, there is a there is a clear difference between Wes and and Alex to the point where you are convinced that they're two separate people played by the same guy. And this 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 really that really amounts to the the acting prowess of Jason Font. Yeah, for sure. All right, and now we'll finally. I'm starting to think we might want to restructure this a little bit, but. Yeah, put the sixth ranger later but oh my gosh you you might hate me for saying this michael but i think but i think eric myers is my favorite sixth ranger i love i love tommy but my gosh get (laughs) this guy get get your skin Get your skinny JD. <laughs> get the JDF out of here. Get the JDF out of here now. I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying. I just, this guy just oozes badassery. I mean, <laughs> I just, okay. and he, he, the dude looks exactly. He looks like a superhero. He looks like he was carved out of marble. I mean, look. I mean got like the most defined jawline out of any power ranger ever i and mean i wish I, had a, I wish i wish i had a jawline that looked like i mean that. that that dude i mean and he had a history with the franchise he had been a he was a stunt man on previous shows he had played rangers in stage shows and it's just ah uh, yeah it's just, the, and the thing is is that he would have been an easy character to make insufferable mm-hmm he would have because he's got a huge chip on his shoulder. He's yeah. completely opposite from Wes where he was a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of guy. He grew up poor and everything he has, he earned. He worked hard to get it and he resents the fact that Wes is trying to be his friend, but Wes is the rich kid who had everything handed to him. Mm. He busted his butt for everything that he had. They could have easily they could have easily made him like uber jealous throughout the entire show. And it, it, w- it would have been just so insufferable and mm-hmm. it would have just been so annoying, but they played it like they played it so smart with him. And really you don't find out like you get little glimpses that maybe that's what's going on with the flashbacks a- of them at uh, prep school together, but you don't necessarily find out the full story until much, much later. Yeah. Like, all the character growth, all like all the storytelling surrounding uh, Eric 
is done in such a way that lets the audience draw its own conclusion. And then it, and then it tells you like, it yeah. doesn't just, it doesn't hold your hand throughout yeah. that entire. Yeah. And what's kind of interesting is that I'm talking about just how just like chiseled and manly and like old school superhero, you know, in terms of appearance he uh, and everything. But I know this is like a weird nitpicky thing to bring up, but it's not like he's, he has the deepest voice in the world. He's a kind of an alto, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> he makes up for it with the attitude. <laughs> you don't screw with him. <laughs> he definitely, ha- he definitely has a lot of attitude. Now I will be fair. And, and I, and I gave you, I gave you a lot of grief um, by saying that you like him better that you, he's your favorite six Ranger, which I can totally see why, because he is a very good sitch. He is a very good sixth Ranger. And honestly, looking back on this franchise, I almost would have wanted this for the Tommy Oliver character. Let Tommy be a little bit more. Let there be a little bit more weak because we talked about this, like the the resolution of of him being evil Green Ranger to being on the team was a little bit too quick and a little bit too saccharine. And um, I wish that they would have done something with 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 Tommy Oliver as they did with Eric, because I think that having that conflict was important. And I think that's what made this, that's what made, or that's what makes this series or this, this season of power Rangers super interesting because you do have that character conflict between, uh, between Wes and Eric. And I wish that we would have seen that much, much earlier. Yeah. Yeah, well, what this is the this is the thing we talked about this with the Lightspeed Rescue episode. How the Titanium Ranger story had the potential to actually top Green with Evil in a lot of ways. Right. It was very much a variation on the theme. It was echoing Green with Evil. They could have actually done it better, but it was rushed, and a lot of that potential got lost in the rushed in its rushed nature. Time Force comes around and we don't do the green with evil thing where he's an evil ranger working for the bad guys. We make the sixth ranger a bit of a rogue and an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. So he's still one of the good guys, but he doesn't like the rangers and prefers to do things himself. Well, it's, it's like we, I mean, we saw that type of character with, um, the magnet offender, at least the, this is pre Mike magnet yeah. offender, pre Mike magnet, like the, the, the Clint Eastwood, dirty, hairy type character with the mm-hmm. magnet offender. And you're, I think calling him a rogue and calling him kind of the anti-hero is, is probably the best way to put it because he's still a good guy. He's still on, he's still on the correct side of things. Yeah. He's still a it's, hero. He's still a hero. But he's got a massive chip on his shoulder, a massive, massive chip on his shoulder. I'm surprised he doesn't have a uh, a crick in his back from that massive chip <laughs> on the, in his shoulder. And I, uh, I just want to point out that man, Mr. Daniel Southworth, that's the name of the actor. Oh, my gosh, does he look good in a beret? I just... <laughs> <laughs> I love his beret. I, I have a beret. I need to wear it more often. But... No, no, you don't. No, you don't. 
I love this guy. And he has some growth, too, as the season progresses. He learns to be a team player. He learns to not jump to conclusions because he's a bit prejudiced, which is kind of interesting because he's the, you know, he was the poor kid. Mm-hmm. And he's got, so he's got, you know, like they said, the chip on his shoulder and he's got some prejudice of his own that he needs to deal with. And I kind of liked how they did that because even when he's agreeing with somebody, he tries to act like he still tries to act tough, you know, like he, you know, he's going to shoot the, the mutant that, you know, the trip is trying to protect and trips like you would just want to kill him because he looks different, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And then he pulls the trigger and it shoots off to the side. And he's like, huh, lucky for you. The gun didn't work. The gun malfunctioned or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like I count that, but I count that though, is a little bit of character growth. Oh, it is character growth, but he still, but he doesn't want anybody to know. Right. And, I, and, and uh trip is, I think trip is the one that actually points out that the reason why Eric is the way he is, is because he's simply just lonely. He just wants, to, he, he, he desperately wants to belong somewhere. He desperately wants to be, feel included. Uh, and you can see that with the flashbacks of, uh, Wes and him at, at prep school when the one, when the other kid comes up and says, Oh, we're having a yacht party and you're, and you're invited. And Eric speaks up and says, Oh, I'd love to go. It's like, uh, no, only Wes is invited. Sorry, guy. Yeah, well, actually I think uh, Wes was trying to say, Hey, can he come along? And he's was like, it? no, okay. no, it's just you. Yeah, no, no, no. It's just, yeah, that's right. It's not, it's just you, but Wes being the good guy, he, the good boy scout he is, um, says, you know what? We're not going to go to, well, I'll just, I won't go either. We'll just find something else to do. But the problem with Eric, the problem with Eric is he can't let, he can't get out from under, or he can't let his pride go to just accept help. And yeah. that's a, and that's a crutch for a lot of people. That's been a crutch for me. Like I've, I've went into situations where I've done things and said things just simply out of pride because I'm not just going to, I just can't let it go. My pride can't let it go. Um, which that's, it never ends well when, when those situations come up. No, no. And, and, and then he had, is it the same power Kendra? that that Lucas was dealing with. He has another encounter with a little girl who gives him a little pet bird to take care of. And that I think so helps him to get over himself. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's interesting. So yes, Eric Myers, one of the greats, Tommy will always be the first. He may even be the goat, but Eric Myers is one of the greats. All right, now let's talk about the Zords and good freaking Lord. It's the list is mercifully short. Oh, thank you. Time. Well, okay. So the the list time force time force understands that you want to go for quality over quantity. The the list is about the next season. The the list is mercifully short, but it feels long because we have like a number of different combinations. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's combos, but it's not a crazy long list. So we have the Time Force Megazord that has two modes. It has red mode and blue mode, right. which well, look just, really different, but they have different. the same components, which are the quote-unquote Time Flyers. Which, sidebar, it is such a... I feel like this is a really inefficient way to launch your Zords. 
Okay, shut up. Our friend Danny DeManna says it's one of the coolest things in the show. I will, I will defend that. Yes, it makes no freaking sense. It's but this so- is amazing. Do not, do not mock the Transwarp Megazord. How dare you? Do not. I will buy when, when I will buy the Transwarp Megazord toy just to stick it to people. Like I love this thing. They should have just they they should have just renamed this this season uh, Power Rangers Bowling for Zords. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem a little bit like that. Although he gets the fight once. He actually, yeah. at one point, he just like pulls out, fine, I'll do it myself, and does a Thanos where he's just like, okay, I'll help fight this time. So he goes to the portal himself. <laughs> I mean, he does, and that's a really cool moment. I, I, admit, I have to admit, that's a really I cool moment. I love this little guy. He's like he's like the guy who's just who's always helping out. You don't you see him every day, but you don't think anything of him until you actually need his help, and it turns out he's secretly awesome. <laughs> so he's the he's the maintenance guy in he's, your building. Yeah, he's the maintenance guy, and then it turns out that your maintenance guy was like a green beret or something. So you so he starts. Yeah, he's yeah he's he's the he's the incons, he's the inconspicuous little guy that you see every day. You interact with him, but once you get to know him, he has a really cool backstory. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I love this guy. I love, this. I love all, that I'm, guy. all I'm saying, all I'm saying, and this is, this is a v- big contradiction considering the subject matter that we're talking about. It just seems really silly. It's super Sentai. It's power <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> Let them bowl for swords. <laughs> 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 oh man <laughs> how can you complain about a giant robot punching airplanes to launch them into a time portal okay okay it is it, it, in theory if you are complaining theory, about this paper, you have no soul <laughs> if, if, if in the it, on paper, it sounds like a really epic way to launch your Zords. But when you're looking at it, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, this is taken forever. Like this must take forever for them to, for them to, to launch the Zords this way. But anyway, um, I feel like we need to give the Transwarp Zord a funny little nickname. He needs a name because Transwarp Zord is not, it's not doing I mean, it for me. He, what does he look he, like to you? <laughs> He's he's Bill at the bowling alley. He's uh, Bill. <laughs> so he's Bill the Megazord, <laughs> or 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 he's Chuck. Chuck. He, he's, he's oh, Chuck. I, he's Chuck Zord. <laughs> oh, there we go. He's Chuck Zord. There you go. Because he's Chuck. There Zord. he's Chuck there Zord. Because he chucks things. <laughs> there goes another there goes another one star <laughs> yes so there you go he is chuck zord now <laughs> God. but we have the, we have the time force megazord which not my favorite not my favorite design as far as the zords go as far as zords there go are it worse. Does come, there are much there are worse worse there are worse, but it does come with some pretty cool like power sets and things. And it's, yeah. it's, um, it's finishing move is pretty epic. 
uh, and it, it's always <laughs> it's, it's time always, is up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always concluded with time's up. You know, yeah. uh, because uh, essentially when it when the, when the when the uh, the time saber, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, the time saber comes down to slash the monster of the week. No, the yeah, because the rain the rangers all have uniform weapons, which is interesting. They all have the same sidearm. They all have the same blades, and they look they like hands on a same, clock. They can't have the same damn costume. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, make things a little bit more uniform. Uh, that's that was my only complaint about the suits. But um, but what's really cool about that sequence is that, or at least the graphic that comes up after as he's fin- as he's doing his finishing move, the hilt of the sword like clicks like a clock. Yeah, and, until it comes to to twelve. Yeah, and then yeah. the and then the uh, the monster of the week blows up. Or oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It turns into a toy. <laughs> so it's like uh it's like monster dark midnight or something like that uh, <laughs> i don't know i mean all the monsters turn into toys they're freeze dried into toys mm-hmm. they look at least they look like toys i was just kind of serious like huh so rancic is michael if he ever became a supervillain, he's just trying to kill people with his toys i see how this works I have an entire army sitting next to me, <laughs> sir. Do you really want to make me angry? Uh, <laughs> Do you have like a like a special chamber you put the toys in to uh, make them actual, you know, life size to go assassinate your enemies or something? So yeah, so yeah, I will admit, yeah, as Megazords go, Time Force Megazord, red and blue. They have, you know, they're fine. Yeah. I, I would say they're more than serviceable. There are worse Megazord designs out there, but I do like them. I like yeah. them well enough. Uh, the Time Shadow, which is mean, Alex's Zord's pretty cool. You mean Mega Winger Part 2? It does look like the Mega Winger. Mega Winger Mark 2, I should yeah, say. Yeah, it does look like the Mega Winger, doesn't it? But now uh, that one's pretty cool. It's very ninja-like. It stands on top of buildings. It has one of the most epic entrances of any Zord. Mm, yeah, it, it essentially eclipses the sun and then and then makes and a that, portal. Yeah, the eclipse is a portal. <laughs> so, like again, like I said, it contributes to the uh, to the ninjiness of it. So, I mean, like I said, you got to make a but, good entrance. This knows how to make a good entrance. But it hangs upside down like a bat. Which this is, is true. Really, which is really weird to me. Uh, again, I haven't seen time. I haven't seen Time Ranger, so there's probably a reason. Uh, yeah, this is true. Oh, well, and the Megazord has a jet mode, which is handy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it does, a, it's it, a versatile Zord. I think that's why is. I think that's why it works for me. It's because it's just it's one Zord with multiple modes, so it's very versatile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it can combine with the Time Force Megazord to make another really cool combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and its finishing move is really it, its finishing move is really really interesting too. It, it basically combines its two sabers into a batleth and mm-hmm. spins around and cuts down its enemies. So yep. it's like again, it's it's very it's very ninja like and like Time Shadow kind of has like a ninja e mm-hmm. type name to it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but oh, 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 we got to talk about my man, Eric's Zord. He has, oh my gosh, this thing is, oh, it's like perilously close to being as cool as the Dragon Sword. I mean, <laughs> I will, like I will just, say the Dragon just, Sword is a tiny bit cooler 
But man, you were just committing all kinds of heresy on this podcast today. <laughs> I didn't Jeez. say I didn't say it was cooler than the Dragon Sword. I said it was almost as cool as the Dragon Sword. Okay, all right, I'll give it to you. I'll I'll give it to you. I mean, uh, it is perilously close, but the Quantasaurus Rex or the Q Rex. Oh my gosh, I love this thing. I want this toy. <laughs> you can have it from eBay for four hundred dollars. And go screw yourself. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the 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 Q-Rex, the Quantasaurus Rex is a really interesting Zord. And I, I think you're right. It is it is one of my favorite uh kind of solo, you know, battle warrior Zords. It it falls into the same kind of class uh, it, it, it falls into the same class of Zords as uh, the red dragon Zord from uh, season two, the red dragon thunder Zord, where it can transform into its warrior mode. Uh, the mega winger. Um, what else? The, the warrior wheel, the, the man, the hamster wheel of doom. Um, <laughs> the, um, the red battle Zord from Zeo sort of these like solo Zords that can just, that are just very autonomous and can do things on their own, but mm-hmm. also have a really cool, but have, have a really cool warrior mode and can combine with other Zords, which yeah. I don't, which I don't think that I don't think, did we see the Q-Rex? We didn't see the Q-Rex combine with the other Zords then. No, it was pretty, it was pretty much autonomous throughout it the was. entire, enti- and throughout the Although, entire season. I think the dinosaur mode's better than the warrior. Oh, mode. come on. Now, now you're just, now you're just drunk. <laughs> <laughs> there's one person in this call who has podcasted drunk and it's not me <laughs> now, now you're just drunk march and if you think the dinosaur mode if, if you think the dinosaur mode is cooler um than than the than the warrior mode oh well okay so the dinosaur mode is pretty cool and what i love about the q-rex is it has um it has a good amount of personality. It does. Like, it has, it, it's like the dragon sword and that it feels like it has a little bit of autonomy mm-hmm. and like the dragon sword, it, resp- it Eric does not pilot it. He controls it with mm. a, with a tool in Tommy's mm. case, it was the dragon dagger flute, which that still wins. Good. Right. That wins over, you know, just talking to it on the morpher, but it responds to voice commands from Eric. He doesn't pilot the thing. So it's got a level of autonomy. It's got personality. Mm-hmm. And we find out it actually has a really interesting backstory too, because it ended up in prehistoric earth because of a time travel, a failed time travel experiment because they were trying to time force was trying to send it back in time. It got goofed up and then it ended up in dinosaur times and it was just stuck there. And then they had to go back and get it. Time travel shenanigans. Yes, time travel shenanigans. So, I, I so I really like that backstory, and I mean, it seems a little bit on the nose that you send the dinosaur robot to dinosaur times, but yeah, eh. sometimes the obvious thing is the best thing. <laughs> eh, yeah, sometimes, like sometimes the obvious idea is the best idea. You know what it reminds me of, though? Um, you've seen Zoo Ranger, yes. So it reminds me, at least the personality of it, a little bit. Uh, the way it interacts with our quantum ranger, it reminds me of uh, Barai and dragon mm-hmm. Caesar uh, sort of their, sort of their relationship, because we did, we talked a little bit about uh Zoo ranger mm-hmm. on the episode one 
uh, episode one of the podcast where um, Dragon Caesar is very much connected to its owner, to its commander, mm-hmm. to its um, controller, I guess. Mm-hmm. It it has... It it's has Summoner. Of, it's Summoner. There we go. It's kind of like... Um, I don't know. It's like, it's like the relationship between a master and its dog. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of that loyalty relationship and there, mm-hmm. you can kind of tell that. And I would like, and I'm can't wait to watch time Ranger because I think that's, I think that probably gets expanded upon more, but I re the, the dynamic between Eric and the Q Rex is what I kind of wanted more of from season one with Tommy and the dragon Zord. Mm-hmm. Like we got a little bit of that, it's more prevalent in Jew Ranger, but it's very prevalent here in Time Force. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining it's probably very much more prevalent than that, even in Time Ranger. Yeah. So quite po- this Q Rex top tier Power Ranger Zord. Just mm-hmm. saying. Top oh, yeah, tier. Absolutely. Top absolutely. tier. One 100%. of the best. One of the best. And speaking of one of the best, we need to talk about the bad guys. <laughs> I think. And I'm I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm not gonna be alone. So this is really not me going on a limb. Um, Rancic, wonderful. I think Rancic is wonderful. I think Rancic is a wonderful villain. Uh, I've seen other. I've seen people before watching Time Force for the first time. I saw uh, people rank Rancic really high with the franchise, and I never understood why until I watched Time Force. Yeah. Rancic, if any, so if you, if anyone's not initiated with the franchise or isn't initiated with time force yet, Rancic is a zealot who is racist towards humans and robots and looks like he was pulled directly from Mad Max, which is appropriate because his actor Vernon Wells was in Mad Max. (laughs) Yeah, he was in Mad Max. He was in from- the Ro- he was in the Road Warrior or Mad Max Two in some territories, and he was they actually paid tribute to that in the movie two parter, mm-hmm. the, the movie Madness two parter because they have him wear a costume. They actually basically just have him wear the same costume he had in the Road Warrior. He was one of the kind of like weirdo, crazy biker villain guys. Yeah, I forget what his character's name was. It's been a while since I've seen. The Road Warrior. It's actually an excellent movie, by the way. Oh, I know. I love. Yeah, the, yeah I love the road. I love the Road Warrior. Movie. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, he made a he had a bit of a career getting doing supporting roles in a lot of action movies. He was in Commando with Arnold. In fact, at the end of the movie, Arnold kills him, and he, he kills had- him with a pun too. By the way, because he says "let off a little steam," and then he stabs him with a steam pipe, and steam's coming out of it. <laughs> Um, so he's this. He's got a some caliber to him. He's been with. He got to hang out with Mel Gibson and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, guys done a lot besides Power Rangers. So Vernon, ha- he has a pedigree in action movies outside of Power Rangers. But the thing that the thing that I know of him being is very active within the Ranger fandom. He does cons and appearances and panels and things like that. And he seems to be one of the, he seems to be one of the Ranger actors that's also gone on to do other things that still doesn't despise being in a power Ranger show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at his filmography here and he's done a lot of stuff. I overall really like him as Rancic. In fact, to be honest, I think 
the design of Rancic with that big metal plate on the side of his head, I think actually, even though I wasn't watching Time Force regularly, I think actually was in my mind when I wrote my first novel and I had a villain who was a cyborg and he had a big faceplate on the side of his head because of an injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of wondering if Rancic was in the back of my head <laughs> when that when I was writing that. Just the Maybe. image of him. Maybe, but Rancic has a really interesting backstory where <clears throat> Yeah, he's a zealot, like you said. He's he reminds me a lot of Magneto the, mm. from X-Men, in that Magneto is the kind of supervillain where he does the wrong th- he does the wrong things for the right reasons. He's a mm. zealot. And to a I think there's a lot of Magneto in Rancic where he's sympathetic. He's op- he's from an oppressed group in the future. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes mutants. Come cu- couple that with the fact that he looks hideous. Good lord, the makeup that they put on Vernon Wells looks like they like they took off a chunk of the Toxic Avenger and just slapped it on the side of his <laughs> oh, head. Oh god. Don't, no, don't remind me of the Toxic Avenger. Uh, I know, but oh, that's the kind god. of thing it looks hideous. It it, it yeah. looks too hideous to be on a kid show to be honest because that is, it is nightmare fuel. That's why he just I think that's why they kept the plate on his head. It's as much very, as possible. It's very intimidating and but here's the here's the fun thing about here's the fun thing about Rancic. He's no slouch. When he, no. when he inter- he's no slouch when he interacts with the Ranger. He killed he, he, he essentially what we thought he killed. Yeah, the Ranger. and then he nearly murdered uh, Mr. Collins, and yeah, he's he's very proactive. But you know, we'll get into you know that there's some layers to him here uh, here, which is one of the things that makes him honestly top tier Power Ranger villain. But I will say this: this is just a. He doesn't quite rise to as high a level in my villain tier list because I do think Vernon Wells goes a little overboard at points with the character. He goes a little too big, a little too often. I feel mm-hmm. like when he's more subdued, he's great. But when he goes, God, big, he goes really big. And I'm just like, dude, okay. <laughs> scale it back a little bit. I know it's Power Rangers, but Scale it well, back a little. <laughs> he's he he's he's more bombastic than say a, an astronoma or even a trachina. Uh, he's a lot more bombastic, but his bombacity works in the context because he is sort of this. He he from his his aesthetic and everything that he's trying to accomplish, he is just very over the top. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. It's just that's the only real problem I have with the character is that I feel is that he goes a little too big, a little too much at points. But Rancic is a fascinating character. And mm. like I said, we'll get into kind of how he plays into the world building and everything in the thematic section, because good Lord, is there a lot to talk about? But like we said, he's a zealot. He hates humans and robots. Cause, oh, good Lord, everybody is a bit... <laughs> There's so much bigotry in this show. Just everybody hates everybody. They, everyone finds a group to hate in this show. It's kind of crazy how that works. But we find out that, yeah, he was a mutant. He was rejected by humans. And then he has a little bit of a Darth Vader angle here where he has... Is disability the right way word to put it? A debil- Or at least a debilitation. 
And I, you think at first it's because of his, it's a byproduct of his mutancy, mm-hmm. but then you find out it's actually something that was added to it, it that reacted to his mutancy. Mm-hmm. Because he gets infected with a monster, it's a monster of the week who comes back, but it's someone he used to, that he had a previous encounter with, Venomark, mm-hmm. who bit him, and then his venom reacted to his mutant genes, mm-hmm. and created. I don't think they really, they didn't really give it a name or something like that. But he has to take a serum, or else his body basically turns against itself. And if he doesn't take the serum periodically, it will just it will kill him. And so he has a, a, he's dependent on a substance to keep himself alive. And we find out in his backstory that he was in a sequence that reminds me a lot of battle angel Alita in terms of atmosphere and character design and everything. He's found by a scientist who shows him kindness, Mm -hmm. gives him the serum to keep him alive and in return, because he's human, despite showing him kindness, Rancic steals the serum and leaves him for dead. Mm. Burns his house down and leaves him for dead. Because he hates humans that much. But, on the other hand, you can understand, because he was part of this oppressed class, mm. and then, but there's that, but then we find out he has a bratty daughter. We'll talk about her. He genuinely loves her. Yeah. It is so weird to think that you know, someone full of that much hatred can love somebody that much. He's a bit, he's actually kind of doting on her. You know? Well, it, it, you know, it does come out later on. I think this in the, like the last episode or next, or it is definitely the last episode. I take that back. That. He he says a line and I cannot remember it verbatim, but it's essentially he's worked so hard to protect the ones he loves. He's wound up hurting people in the process. He's he's wound up hurting the people that he loves in the process. Yeah, he has so much of this righteous indignation and this like literal hate and bigotry towards these different groups of of beings. But he and he's doing it, I guess, in a warped sense of. Like he's trying to protect himself and he's trying to protect his family and he's trying to do these things, but in the, but he's ended up just hurting the ones that he cares yeah. about most in the process. Yeah. And th- <laughs> we'll get to the henchmen a little bit, but it's interesting that they're called cyclobots because this really is about cycles of hatred. And there's mm-hmm. a whole discussion about that actually in, in an episode because Rancic it was is a mutant and the mutants are oppressed by humans and then rancic oppresses robots we don't know what the how the humans feel about robots we i think we can kind of get an idea that robots are are treated fairly well in the future because the you know obviously the rangers treat circuit very nicely mm-hmm. and you know and uh, dr ferrix and we'll talk about him in a minute uh, it likes robots and he takes care of robots but Ranzik treats them like they're nothing more than tools. They're nothing. So he treats robots the way humans treat mutants. Yeah, they're literal cog. We we talked about this yeah. in in law in Lost Galaxy, but they're literal just cogs in the wheel. You know, <laughs> or, or you mean like the the actual cogs <laughs> or the actual yeah they're <laughs> the, the actual cogs yeah yeah, yeah yeah in Zio. So it's just he's such a he's a weirdly complicated character. 
because you can feel sorry for him and understand him on certain levels, but you also know, you know he's murderous, he's angry. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> you know, and you know, I, and what's funny is that we kind of have a I, I, this dawned on me actually in my most recent viewing. We have two kind of parallel stories running here about a father and a child. Mm-hmm. Because we have Mr. Collins and Wes, and then we have Rancic and Adira. Now the dynamics are different because one is a father and son, one's a father and daughter, but we can I think we if we you can see parallels between the two of them the similar, in a lot of ways. They're they're similar, like uh, Mr. Collins and Rancic are similar because they're doing what they feel is the right thing for their uh, for their for their child, but they're going about it in a very wrong way. Yeah, very wrong, very, very wrong in Rancic's case, which is why it's appropriate that we have this big moment. One of the big moments of the show is Mr. Collins standing up to Rancic. And saying, yeah, my son chose his own destiny and I respect him for it. And then Rancic tries to murder him. I mean, that was a shocking moment. <laughs> it was a very shocking moment. So we've already we've already hinted at her talking, but let's move on to Nadira, Nadira, beca- Nadira because we're, we'll, I'm, we'll come back to Rancic when we talk yeah. about themes. Yeah. But yeah. Let's, let's but, uh, Nadira, Nadira played by a uh, play by Kate Sheldon mm-hmm. and okay. In some ways, when I look at Nadira, this is a character that shouldn't work for me. Oh, I know is as weird as this sounds. Oh, I know. And I almost he- I almost hesitate to say this, but Nadira is kind of what happens when you combine Astronema and Divatox, as weird as that sounds. And yet the character works. You would think I would hate this. Ch- I would hate this character because she is such a brat. But that is the point. Yeah, she's very. She's insane. brat. She's a brat. She's vain. She's greedy. But that is the whole point of the character. So she she works infinitely better, I think, than Divatox does because she has other things going for her and she has more depth to her than Divatox does because she has a character arc in this, mm. which is so nuts. Now, it's mostly in the final few episodes, but it's just so fascinating to see her kind of go through a bit of an astronomer transformation, not to the extent that she did, but she start she starts wrestling with why they're doing what they're doing before her father does. And is one of the impetuses to get her father to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so nuts because she starts saying like, why do we hate humans? We shouldn't hate humans. And it's partly because of trip <laughs> trip just throws her good Lord. I can't believe we have a kid show that has a pregnant woman who goes into labor. And they deliver the baby. I can't think of another Saturday morning kid show that goes as far as to say the pregnant woman. They have the baby. <laughs> it's it's a, it was really interesting that episode because Nadira simply just goes into that boutique just to steal things and buy and, and, and steal, uh, yeah, get all the fancy clothes, get all the fancy clothes. Yeah. yeah Cause she's well, like, like, uh, like you think of like all of the most negative stereotypes that you can think of about, you know, about women. And she is that 
Mm-hmm. You know, she's like I said, she's vain. She only cares about money and status and looking pretty and all of this. She's abrasive. Uh, her superpower is that she can appropriately she can grow her nails and she can grow her nails out to like Wolverine long and slash people. So she's a th- she is a and they establish she's a, in the first episode. She's actually very cunning, despite all of that. She uh, she uh, she can keep a low profile when she needs to. She can kind of lure people into thinking that, you know, that she's innocent and, and, and uh, wounded or things like that. And then when she lures them in, then she turns on them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, she, that's the other advantage that she has over diva talks is she very quickly establishes. Yeah, I'm a brat, but I'm also a legitimate threat. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a. am going back to that episode. It's, a, it was just so interesting to me that she goes in there to do the same old shtick. Like she's going to rob the place. She's going to get some pretty new clothes. Trip shows up to stop her. She's trying to instigate a fight, but trip notices there's a pregnant woman there. That's about to give birth. And, and just, they literally just stop what they're doing. Yes. They stop. They, they stop they essentially just stop the cycle. They stop the, the fight. The, they stop the fight. They stop the, 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 they stop the shtick, I yeah. guess for just for an episode to focus on something that was more important. And that was taking care of that pregnant mother. Yeah. Although I do think it was a little bit presumptive on trips part to just assume it's like, well, you're a woman. You handle this. <laughs> A, a little, yeah. That was a, that was a little bit presumptive. It was I a little agree. bit presumptive because even she's like, I don't know, oh, I don't know what to do. And then I, I can't believe they actually went as far as, like, they go all the way up to where she's like, well, okay, and then she like drops down. So it's just, and th- then it cuts there, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, they went as far as to basically say, like, yep, she's going down there to uh, deliver the baby. <laughs> <laughs> on a kid show <laughs> again it, this this series has grown up with its audience yeah and but that was a watershed moment for nadira because she's not the same after that and i find oh, it no. i find it so fascinating that that has such a profound effect on her it's it's a very distinctly feminine journey that she goes through there because she's not the one having the child but she delivers the baby mm-hmm. and so she gets to kind of be like a surrogate mother for a for a moment yeah. when that happens because she comes out and she's holding the baby, the biggest newborn I have ever seen. By the way, that's a big boy. <laughs> but you know, she comes that out. A, that was at least a ten pounder right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a I, I was a big baby when I was born. I'm just saying, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> one of but, the little- but she comes out. She has the baby, and then. By having that that kind of like surrogate mother experience, she starts thinking it's like, how can we hate something so small and beautiful and innocent? And you know, she, she has this profound effect. And then we see her in a scene later where some random children at a playground, while she's sitting there just contemplating all of this, they come and say, you want to play? So she gets to have another moment like that where again it, whether it's like being a surrogate mother or being able to experience like a piece of childhood that maybe she didn't have hmm. yeah she was I wanna, growing up i want to i want to plant this i don't want to expand right here we'll save this for themes but i want to plant the, i want to plant a seed right here just something we can think about later hatred things like things evils like hatred and bigotry racism and all those things they're not 
born into us. They are learned. They are learned throughout our, our, throughout our human experience. We don't all, we don't all start out hating people. Like when we're born, we're born innocent and, uh, cute. Well, so I've seen some pretty ugly babies, to be fair. <laughs> but, um, to, a, to a, some, to some level of cute, we are born when we're born, we're some level of cute, but we are born innocent and we learn things like hatred and bigotry and those things as we get older and through our environment and through the people that, yeah you know, we're surrounding ourselves with. I'm going to plant that seed there. We'll expand yeah. on it later. I'm yeah. sure. Um, but then but, we get to another character who's also, I would say, top tier villain material here. And we're going to have to plant some things with him too and come back to it. But it's Frax. Now, Frax, is, he's a wild design. I just want to say he's a robot. He's basically our general and kind of our monster maker, but not really. Yeah, the mon- yeah, but he. What's fascinating about him, he has a great voice, too. I don't know who did the voice acting for Frax, but it is marvelous. Mm-hmm. Keep it, talking. I'll look it up. Yeah, it is marvelous. But like I said, he's a wild design. It's very asymmetrical. He has like a half cape on one side, and his one arm is different than the other. And the colors don't match. So it's almost like he kind of, which fixed with the backstory, it's like he just kind of cobbled himself together. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that is his backstory. He was cobbled together. He's do- we find out halfway through, by a little more than halfway through the show, that he's Dr. Ferrex, who tried to help Rancic. Rancic left him for dead, and then in desperation to save his life, he remade his broken body into a robot. Because so, he already had an affinity for robots. So he basically made himself into one, which made him an oppressed class uh-huh. in this case, because Rancic mistreats robots because he, th- he doesn't think of Frax as anything, but just a big dumb tool that he can use. Uh, Frax was voiced by Eddie fear, Fearson, Freer Fearson, F F R I E R S O N. Frierson, okay, yeah. Fre- Frierson, Eddie Frierson voiced fr- the character Frax. In yeah, Force. yeah. So, so, the, so the fact that he was he was human, mm-hmm. he was murdered by a mutant that he tried to show kindness to, mm-hmm. and then became even, a member of even, an oppressed class because of this. You want to talk about a chip on your shoulder? Well, he even said it in his confrontation with with Rancic when he destroys all of Rancic's serum. Um, he's, he even says, I showed kindness to you. I tried to help you. I saved your life. And this is how you repay me. I'm paraphrasing. Of yeah. Course. And and what's crazy is that I think Frax is a little bit mad. And by mad, I mean insane. <clears throat> Because there's a little bit of like a jokerness to him to a certain extent because he's got a bit of a sadist streak as he's like because you know like he breaks all the serum bottles and he's like oopsie you know <laughs> he's relishing these things he's very cunning he's deceptive because he's feigning at being this hyper obedient stupid robot and uh, while he's secretly plotting against Rancic the entire time. Mm. And it's such a crazy dynamic. Now we've seen some infighting from villains before in Power Rangers, but not near. 
this guy is like Deviat on a whole other level. <laughs> and Deviat was already great, but this is that Deviat was just trying to take advantage of you know being in the right place at the right time with the right people. This was, was personal a, for Ferrix. Deviat Deviat was an opportunist, and yeah. same with Dar- and same with the, and, and the same can be said with Darkonda. Yeah. Darkonda and Deviat, those type of characters that we've seen kind of fill this role in the past, they were more opportunistic. Whereas Frax created opportunity. He yeah. had a pl- he has a plan. He has yeah. a plan of what he's yeah. going to do. Yeah. Yeah, and he's going to carry it out. This is this is personal for him. This is this is not me. This is not him just trying to seek power for the sake of having power, like a Darkonda or a Deviat. This is this is a man on a mission who is going to hurt the one who hurt him. Yeah, and it's it's a and like we'll talk about later. It's a it really is a vicious cycle when when people start oppressing other people sometimes the sometimes not always not always sometimes the oppressed become the oppressors yeah yeah it, it it's and if you look at history that is incredibly common it really is but we'll talk more about it because these villains oh my gosh these villains are so good <laughs> it is a, i will just add one more thing it is it is a, a ve- considering considering what it is the frax like suit is very expressive. It's oh, way, good lord! It's, oh it's, my gosh! It's, okay, it's, uh, okay. The bug out face freaked me <laughs> out every time he did it. Okay, I don't know what else to call that, but because normally he has this very kind of placid-looking face, the mouth moves a little bit, uh, the eyes are almost kind of squinty, and then when he's either very happy or he starts laughing maniacally, it's like <laughs> he has like, like Joker face. <laughs> Yeah. And that like his eyes bug out and they're red and the mouth gets really big. I don't, it scared me every single time. <laughs> I used to kind of compare this. I used to kind of compare the, the, um, the design of Frax to, um, Crow T robot. Crow T robot. Yeah. <laughs> From mystery science theater. Yeah. He does look like they do look alike. Mm-hmm. They, they do look alike. I wouldn't be surprised if Crow T Robot had like an evil cousin or something from the future. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There's another hype meme. Our, uh... Crow's evil cousin from the future. Because <laughs> sometimes Crow has made comments about not liking humans too much, but it's usually for you know comedic effect and not meant to be taken seriously. Right. Or is it to be meant to be taken seriously? Sometimes I wonder with Crow. He's a he's a wild one, that one. <laughs> so Gluto. Moving Gluto. on to Gluto. Uh, so from, from three top tier villains to well, you're the guy in charge on Time Ranger, and uh you got a demoted hard. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's even a point where they don't call it out, but I think I'm going to take a wild guess and say a Time Force, uh, he flies through flatulence. I mean, that's the kind of villain we're dealing with. I mean, I wrote down in my notes, fart propulsion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gluto is hardly in the season. Even as comic relief, he's just not there. Sometimes I would forget he even existed. Mm. To be honest, there's not a whole lot to say about Gluto other than he's a big frog looking guy. With a mohawk yeah. and just 
you know, and he's a bigger deal in Time Ranger. Right. That's really the only thing to say about Gluto. In fact, Gluto just gives up in the final episode. He literally just it turns himself into the action figures like, I quit. Oh, <laughs> haven't we all had Gluto moments where we're like, just turn me into an action figure. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> Write I that one down. <laughs> just, just turn me. Just, just turn, turn me into an action figure. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, we've all had moments like we. For most of us, it's more. For most of us, I would guess it's more like, I'm done with this day. Just I'm going back to bed. <laughs> In his case, it was becoming an action figure. <laughs> yeah. So that's Gluto. He's there. Yeah, he occasionally provides comic relief, and then we have the the henchmen of the season, the Cyclobots. And it's interesting that we're talking about cycles of hate and everything. I mean, they are called Cyclobots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in terms of design and implementation, still not as good as the Quantrons. They're a little too similar to the Cogs, uh, honestly. But they're still effective at what they do. They're better than the Swabbies. <laughs> but are they better? But we've we've talked about this before. But are they better than the Tangas? Yes. Although, you know, go pluck yourself. It's hard to top that <laughs> I mean, <laughs> from that one cog. <laughs> now the the Cyclobots are interesting. They have gun swords, uh, which is kind of cool. And they also, ha- they're used effectively. I will say this. We've, we've talked about that, about how if you're, if you're going to have these, you know, these cannon fodder henchmen characters, you can actually elevate them a little bit by using them either very effectively or very creatively. And I do think they do that in this, in a couple of instances. One of them being the Cyclobots are a little bit more loyal at points to Frax than they are Rancic. Yeah, there's that uh, there's that one scene where, you know, Frax is hi- is is hiding from Rancic in the bushes. Yeah. And the Cyclobots find him and they're and they're like, oh, shh, 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 don't yeah, go, keep going, keep going. And, and then they and they like mm-hmm, they're like, oh, they're like, have you like, found? We didn't find him. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nowhere, yeah, yeah. nowhere to be found, boss. You know? Yeah. yeah. So Which, they uh, so they they don't talk. They don't. Uh, they uh, they do a lot of their communication is through body language. There's even that filler episode where <laughs> apparently Frax is exploiting nerds who want to get buff by giving them a protein powder that turns them into robots, yeah. which is kind of hilarious and. A very a kind of a biting satirical co- uh, social commentary at the same time. <laughs> okay. a, a little, <laughs> a little, because the like, because you if you think about like the the marketing done the the millions upon or the billions upon billions of dollars billions, spent, the, the billions, billions, the billions with a B, uh, upon dollars of marketing done in the in the fitness industry to market like supplements that half of them probably don't even work. Um, it's kind of a, like you said, it's kind of a satirical little, little, yeah. little take on that. And I did, uh, that was an amusing episode because, <laughs> because the front for this is an actual gym and there's all these meatheads there. Then the nerds who are getting into this, they were, you know, juicing with this stuff. And 
and Jen and Wes go there as like the most stereotypical Steve Urkel nerds you've ever seen. <laughs> and it doesn't fool Frax. He sees through it. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so, uh, so they, have like- le- they have less personality than the- they're, they're similar to the cogs and they're similar to the Quantrons. Uh, but they have less personality than they do. But like I said, they're used effectively in that instance. Cause I think the idea is that they really are this kind you know, this oppressed class, they're lower. And, you know, so they're not, I don't think they're meant to have a whole lot of personality because they're supposed to be tools. Basically, Mm -hmm. they just, they have a little bit of personality that comes through when they're interacting with fracks, but they also just get abused a lot of the time throughout the whole, throughout the whole show. And there are points where it gets called out. I was like, because Frax is like, why do you you treat robots so badly? I hate you for doing that. So they're used effectively in that instance. And also, as is apparently Power Ranger tradition, you want to establish the threat level of your villain? Have them invade the base of operations. They destroy the clock tower. <laughs> they storm it and they trash it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that was um Cyclobots. So, so that was the Cyclobots. Not now, much, not much oh boy, time to roll up those sleeves, my friend. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, man. If you thought that my you know, my lecture on... Uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We have to go through Monsters of the Week, Oh, sir. that's right. Monsters of the Week. Sorry. So, put, we, the sleeve, put your sleeves back down. I forgot. I forgot. Can, we, it's fine. We can zoom through these because there's I don't I only have like four notable ones. I have and five with an with a with an honorable mention. Okay, you go first. Uh, Jatara, which was J- their which was the first monster of the week. We saw him in episode three. Mm-hmm. He's a decent design, but the reason I put him in here is because they have a really cool action sequence when he grows big. By the way, the monsters of the week. Instead of it, you know, the the magic wand thing, it's supposed to be that if they expose mutant DNA, they get gigantic. And I'm like, why don't they do that more often? And how does that work? By because you expose it to air. I was like, I don't understand, but it's the rule. <laughs> Although it also works for robots that way. So I'm a tiny bit confused, but okay, show. Time <laughs> Ranger. Time Ranger. So uh, so Jatara, because he was the first good design. Really cool action sequence that will be talked about during the awards. Made my list. Okay. Uh, my first monster of the week. It, monster of the week. Monster of the week. Yeah, they smell bad. I mean, they all smell bad. <laughs> um, my first monster of the week goes to Brickneck. Ah, oh, I love Brickneck. <laughs> Brickneck. Well, first of all, it is su- it is such an on the nose name for its design. Well, I didn't also, notice it until I paid closer attention to it, to be honest. I'm like, why right. does this name brick that guy? Oh, because he's got that weird collar. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, it's not. It, he, it's looks very, like, he looks like a common Rider. That yeah. This has to be one of the most Toei looking designs I have ever seen. He looks like a common Rider, like a rejected common Rider. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's notable because he's just a very on the nose character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, but, by uh, the way, by the way, fun fact. Uh, there, you know, uh, how, uh, Nadira loves watching modern day TV and she'll be like crying and everything watching it. He was, she was watching, uh, uh, Master Rider. She was watching Master Rider in one episode. 
Yeah, of course. And this is long after the Masked Rider show had just been def- had went defunct. Yeah. Anyway, Brickneck. Anyway, Brickneck. Also, I like Brickneck because he has some of the best one-liners of any of the monsters of the week. Oh, we'll get to that in the awards. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. So, but he's such a cool design, and like I said, very Toei, very Tokusatsu. Mm. Looks like a rejected common writer. Great monster of the week. Great choice. Yeah. Great choice. I also have more because of the name than anything else, but I gotta, I gotta give credit, even in something as serious as Time Force. They still throw in these just hilarious names, but fat catfish. <laughs> mm. Oh, I got I got one that I didn't notice until I looked it up later. But go ahead. <laughs> fat catfish. <laughs> I really it's more just for the name. I'm like, that is that is a seriously hilarious name. Now, the monster himself. Uh, he was in a noteworthy episode. The, but, he looked, but he looks like he belongs more in Turbo than in this series. Kind of. Kind of. But he was in Jen's Revenge, which was a mm-hmm. big, uh, which was uh, when we really started deal. to see just how much he resents right, Rancic and everything. And she has and he has connections to uh, to Jen and to Alex. Uh, he looks like a big old. He looks very 90s. <laughs> big old yeah. shoes, kind of a mohawk the kind of like futuristic looking sunglasses and a Gatling gun. Like, a, like remember old painless from predator, that big, yeah. uh, big helicopter gun. He has that for a hand. <laughs> he looks straight out of a nineties video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my next monster of the week. And after I, after I had to look back on it and figure out what, what its name was, I'm like, Oh, that makes so much sense. But my monster of the week came from actually our, that trip episode where trip takes a stand. Yes. Um, the name of the monster is not a con, not, not a con, not yeah. a con, not a con, not a, yeah, <laughs> it's very, I picked it because it's very fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. it, it comes from, a, it comes from a very important episode that that will that plays into more of the thematics of this yeah. series. Yeah, that that was that was actually again, it would have been easy to to make that really saccharine, but they they figured out how to do it right in that episode with that you know, they struck just the right balance. Mm-hmm. And then I have a couple more that are pretty closely related. Sure. Uh, they are not mutants. Most of our monsters of the week are mutants. These are robots. They're Frax's monsters robots. of the week. But Dragatron. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if if Dragonzord was Mecha Godzilla, I think we can say potentially yeah. that Dragontron is Titanosaurus. <laughs> Yeah. With a, or Kiryu. I actually was like, actually, it reminds me a bit of Kiryu, but this predates Kiryu by a couple of years. Mm-hmm. By the way, for those who don't know, these are monsters from Godzilla films, and Kiryu is a modified Mecha Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But I like Dragontron. <laughs> Dragontron's Go- a pretty cool robot. Goofy name, great design, came from a, a solid episode. Yeah. And then the related one I have was when Frax tried his hand at doing it again, and this was our final monster of the week. Mm-hmm. And that was <laughs> this name. 
This name is so Silver Age comic book. I kind of love it. <laughs> but Dragatron at least has a nice name to it. But then we have Doomtron. <laughs> Doomtron. <laughs> Doomtron. <laughs> it might be one of the silliest names. It's simultaneously incredibly silly and incredibly BA all at the same time. <laughs> I mean, it's a, like, it comes from, I mean, it is, it's the final monster or the final robot of the week yeah. for, uh, for this series. And I mean, it's a great design. It comes from, a, I think I like pulling, I like pulling monsters of the week from important episodes because I think that they play, they help, uh, play into the, the meaning and the aesthetic a lot of times from that, from that particular, you know, it, it's funny. I'm looking at the full list of the monsters of the week. And a lot of them have con in their name. Well, they are all supposed to be criminals. Yeah. So. yeah Commando con Centura con turtle con Tronicon Tronicon cruel, cruel Centuricon. Yep. Vexicon. Miracon Camilacon. Serpicon. Yep. Turtlecon. Turtlecon. Mm hmm. Mm, yeah. Mecha, Mecha Gamera, Turtlecon. Um, <laughs> Why is there no Mecha Gamera? Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to. I'm, I'm gonna Doomtron. Gonna Doomtron is pretty. Uh, Doomtron's pretty. He looks. I, I don't know. For some other reason, I look at I look at this design and I feel like his head, his torso. Like his head and shoulders remind me of a cobra, a little bit, a like little, an unfolded cobra. And the, hood, the head yeah. looks a little bit like an uh, like a cobra head. And he has big old Geigen hook claws. And you're not saying it right, Nathan. Geigen claws. There you go. <laughs> and anyone okay. who doesn't watch Godzilla films is very confused right now. <laughs> But that that's a solid one. That's a solid pick. I was going to pick that, but I decided to go with, and I'm just going to uh, zip through these two because they're both come from very important episodes in our rewatch. And that is Commandacon, uh, Commando, Commandacon. Commandacon, who can the control whole... the Q-Rex with mm -hmm. a Wiimote. Right. Um, so that, that was our, that was our uh, introduction episode to the Q-Rex. So that's where that monster comes from. Uh, and Venomark, which we've already kind of talked about. Oh, I should have added Venomark. Venomark is very important in terms of backstory, but good Lord, that monster is horrifying. It's creepy. They it's must creepy. have censored the snot out of that thing because I it's do think creepy. it's actually biting people. You just never actually see it. Mm -hmm. and, and it leaves these of like hickey tattoos on them. <laughs> people's necks death hickeys <laughs> death hickey write that one down <laughs> death hickey <laughs> uh, we're uh, we're really uh itching for that explicit rating aren't we <laughs> how do you spell hickey <laughs> H I is H I. I think it? it's H I C K E Y. Yeah, that's what we're gonna go with. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, Venomark, pretty big deal. He's a very he, that that monster is just a sociopath. He is just insane. Yeah, but he knows that Rancid could 
wipe the floor with him if yeah. if provoked. Like yeah. he's a, that's more it, it's more of a an opportunistic monster than a than a just I'm a I'm a badass kind of monster. Yeah, basically. And then my my honorable mention we'll talk about this episode for as long as it needs to be, which is about 30 seconds. The mistress of midriff herself, Vipra, who has an inexplicable resurrection in this, gets her own minions, and then decides to go from I can't remember, Mariner Bay to where the Time Rangers are to wreak a bit of havoc for reasons I don't fully understand. I mean, it's fitting in with the with the Power Ranger team-up tradition of bringing back villains from the previous season so you can have the other heroes come. But it just, it falls flat, dude. I would, this is not the worst crossover, but it falls so flat and it just feels so gimmicky where it's just like, look at all the toys. Look at all the power-up because we have more, ba oh, good Lord, we have two Rangers with battleizers in this season and they're and both, they're both silly. They're, they're both, both absurd, absurd and silly. We had this really cool episode that was a one-off episode where they did some other weird time travel things. There was this knight that was appearing. It was very like, if you've ever seen the, the Fisher King by Terry Gilliam, it was reminding me a lot of that, but then it didn't really amount. It didn't live up to the beginning of it. And then it just ends with Wes gets a power up that he has for about three episodes <laughs> because we got to get those toys. So it just ends up turning into just the battleizers and the action figures and showing off. There wasn't, really any weight to this crossover now yeah. and i was I, disappointed I, this is like the third i think this is like the third episode we've we've had vitalizers and we've just not talked about them because they're just they're just they're them. american gimmicks that saban came up with to make a, to make new toys and yeah. oh, the both wes's at least looks cool because he's supposed to be like this fire knight but good grief who thought that giving Eric Myers, one of the most BA Rangers up to this point, who thought giving him rollerblades was a good idea for a power up because it's so silly. I mean, roller, rollerblade, rollerblading was a thing in the early 2000s. Yeah. So were a lot of things, but anyway, so Viper comes back, but now she's like, I don't know how she got such a power up. I don't know how she came back from the dead. Cause I'm pretty sure the queen ate her, but just, whatever anyway um now nathan we, now we roll into, up the sleeves now we roll up the sleeves now we move into our favorite part of doing these discussions and we talk a little bit about thematics and we've kind of we've we've laid we've laid like a really solid foundation we've kind of sprinkled some nuggets in here already um that we'll start to revisit from earlier on in the episode so nathan i'm gonna let you be English majory okay. for a little while. The big thing with this, and it's just spelled outright throughout the season, but I think we see it play out in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. The theme of this season is is choosing your destiny. Because mm -hmm. it naturally, because it's a time travel show, time travel story. So that's going to factor into that. So they're concerned that what is happening now is going to alter the future. Mm -hmm. What Rancic is doing. 
So there's all of that. And there's, you know, can we actually choose our destiny? Does free will actually exist? Are we actually, are we, could things be changed for better or for worse? Um, and some people, some characters stick to this very rigidly, like Alex, who basically says, hey, this is predetermined. This is what's going to happen. This is what has to happen. And there's nothing you can do about it. So he, right. you know, Wes says, hey, oh, excuse me, Alex says, hey, Wes, your father's going to die. You can't be the Ranger anymore. You can't be the Red Ranger anymore and all of that. And Wes says, no, yeah, this shouldn't happen. My dad shouldn't have to die. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing with in the case of that is that it, you, it can be argued that despite what Wes wants, it would have happened anyway. It only changes... And this plays into his character arc because Alex intervenes with magic future future tech <laughs> that saves his father's life. And for what we can tell, changes the timeline. Because the we were originally told that Wes was just supposed to become part of the company. He was supposed yeah. to become the head of Biolab after his father dies. He still he still becomes part of the company, but just in a different yeah in a different capacity, capacity. Mm-hmm. and it's it makes sense that Wes would want to be doing that because he was deciding for himself, which kind of goes back to you know it, does you know it, did he actually choose this or was this just predetermined? Because Wes was saying, "I'm going to be my own man. I'm not going to just do what my dad says. I'm not going to go with the plan my dad has laid out for me. I'm going to be my own man." But then Alex is like, that's what was supposed to happen anyway. You know, it's a, there's there's a lot. And, and the whole concept, especially if you're Christians like us, and we have theological debates over free will and 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 sovereignty, you know, God's sovereignty and all of that predeter- uh, predestination and all this sort of stuff. It's a it's a difficult concept to wrap your head around. And even if you remove it from a theological context, like they do in here, because this is a very common theme in time travel stories, you're still asking the same question. You know, do my actions actually mean anything? So we have a character who is going his own way as hard as he can, but then someone from the future saying this was supposed to happen anyway. But then Alex breaks the rules. He breaks the rules and he saves Wes's father it even tells him like hey you taught me that that's that this is how it can work mm-hmm. so so you have all of that going on so the all and with- what was what was um what was alex i can't remember what was alex's line when wes asked him why he did that it was basically that the he i can't remember exactly what it was but he basically said like you showed me that uh that uh Destinies can change. Destinies can change. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, destinies can change. So he's because he was very slave to what Mm. the you know the so-called timelines. If anyone here has watched the show Loki with the the I forget what they're called, but uh, there there is kind of this you know time force that monitors the timeline Mm. and tries to maintain. It's like this is the sacred timeline. We have to stick keep it to it. So anytime there's a divergence from it, we go and we stamp it out as soon as possible so they're slave to what this is supposed to be the timeline this is the timeline you know as has been determined by who we work for that sort of a thing and so there's a little bit of that here as well but then alex realizes you can't be slave to this yeah so that that's wonderful but then the the 
within that, we get into the theme of choice. Is everything about you predetermined? Can you choose to be different? Can you break the cycle? Which is where we get into the other big theme of the season with bigotry and prejudice and racism and all of that. And I want to just really quick before you get into before you get any further, I want to park here just for a second and bring up something I was going to bring up earlier when we were talking about um, <clears throat> Nadira. Uh, there, it's the scene where she's where she's talking to Frax. Frax is now is now been imprisoned for his tra- for for being a traitor, and she goes to Frax and she she asks, "Why do we hate humans?" I have Frax- I have the whole conversation written down. If you want to. You want me to recount it for you? Sure, recount the conversation. Yeah. So please. Nadira says, "Why do mutants and humans hate each other so much?" And Frax says, "Oh, hate. There's a subject I know very well indeed. Humans rejected your father and taught him to hate. Then he destroyed me, and I was filled with hatred as well. It's a vicious cycle that never ends." Nadira. Nadira says, "But I'm not sure I hate all humans." Frax says, ha, don't make me laugh. You're an evil mutant with a heart as black as coal, just like your father. Now get out of my sight, you sicken me. So in that scene, I'm in that scene. Nadira is wrestling with what she has always known to be true, that humans are bad and what her father and her and the mutants are what they're yeah. trying to do is good. Yeah. And that is, it's visually it's, 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 it's shown off in the, in the verbiage. Like we just, when you just read that, it's also shown off visually in the way Nadira is dressed because when Nadira is in her human form or I guess human, like a human light when she's trying to blend in. Yeah. Well, but I, I, I'm telling you, I think quick changing her clothes is one of her superpowers. Cause she just goes, right. whew, and it's the the villain right. costume, the the, you know, the the tank top and the mini skirt. And the I guess when she, uh, we'll just say this: when she's in her civilian clothes, there we go. That's that's probably mm-hmm. a better way to put it. When she's in more like normal civilian clothes, her hair is down; it's not up in that crazy crown bun thing. But in this, I find it curious because she's still wearing her villain outfit, but she's got her hair down. Mm-hmm. She's got her hair down like she would be when she was trying to blend in more yeah. with the well, and what's and, and one of the things that's interesting is that unlike the other mutants that we see, she could feasibly blend pass in. She could a, pass yeah. off as human. Other I mean she has pink hair, but you know, we live in a day and age where pink hair doesn't really face people anymore. And in the future, probably not gonna face anybody. I mean, Trip has green hair. No one cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's just Oh, she could being. feasibly blend in. Yeah, no one would be the wiser. Yeah, and those little marks over her eyes, tattoos, jewelry, something, be like just some sort of embellishment that she takes on and off every night. I don't like sort of like fake eyelashes. I don't know. But um but yeah, I, I just found that little that that visual yeah. representation of what was going on with her interesting as well as the mm-hmm. speech or as yeah. well as that conversation. Yeah, cuz she because, she is shedding her uh, her uh her villain attire, which is a visual representation of her shedding her old way of thinking. I see what you're going at there. So she's yeah. at a moment where she's kind of got one foot in both worlds a little bit there. Yes. Or at least she's got a toe in one world. 
Yes. You know, proverbially speaking. That's what and, I'm leaning it, at. and it's so interesting to see Frex react the way he does because his potentially, you know, I mean, we saw him show kindness to Rancic, but maybe he's kind of succumbed to some of that very human prejudice toward mutants a bit there mm-hmm. because a mutant tried to murder him. Mm-hmm. But now, but then basically the a, a mutant tried to murder him and then put him into basically forced him to become a, you know, another class of second class citizens that being a robot so he's being oppressed so he now he's being oppressed by the robot so he might have jumped to conclusions like yeah all mutants are violent and uh you know and murderous as a human but then he becomes a, a class that is oppressed by mutants so he's got like a double dose of hatred going on there and so you, that's reflect it's very melodramatic but it's definitely being communicated i think it's definitely being communicated here where even he says like i hate you because you're mutants because look at what you did mm-hmm. you know you've oppressed me you tried to kill me and all of these sorts of things and then in this this there's this crazy moment after that where dr ferrix reasserts himself for a moment where she, because Nadira says she's she doesn't want this to happen to Frax, and he's like, "There's hope for her." And then Frax snaps. He snaps and he's just like, "No, don't do this. Break the cycle. Don't be like me. It doesn't have to be this way. Be different." He he just breaks down, and then in the next scene, it's incredibly tragic. Yeah, uh, Frax's end is very tragic because it's. It's Astronema all over again, but it's too late. Astronema had a happy ending. He gets, a, he's, his life is a tragedy because he just gets his memory wiped. Mm-hmm. And after that, he's just a drone. He even says like, I am a robot. You know, I don't know what this means. You know, because she asked him, you know, it's like, because Nadira is talking to him. He's like, I forget what did she, she asked him something and he couldn't answer because at that point he's just a drone. And then for the last couple of episodes, he's just an obedient servant. Uh, I want to talk to you more about being human. Oh, and he he says, I'm a robot. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I'm a robot. I cannot compute that information. I can't compute that information because he just had all personality and free will. We're talking about free will. It's all stripped from him. Like I said, it's astronomy all over again, but it ends tragically because by the next episode, what's left of Frax dies. Yeah. It, he becomes more just like a, when he's in the cockpit of Doomtron. of doom of Doomtron, he is more of a, he's more of a robot. He's more of a, a just another cog in the wheel, a slave to, to this regime mm-hmm. that Rancic is building. He even says we have to, we have to be victorious for Rancic. Rancic yeah. must be victorious, but it's also, but it's happening with our villains, but it's also happening with our Rangers as well. Mm-hmm. Like they're when the Rangers finally go back to the year 3000, they learn that they're going to have to go through. What is it? Memory, memory adaptation. Okay. I need to bring this up because this year 3000 fascinates me mm-hmm. because I know we've all heard the term dystopia, but mm-hmm. usually when we're talking about something like a dystopia, like a 1984 by George mm-hmm. Orwell or, the or a brave new world by um, suddenly I can't remember Seamus Haney. I can't no, it's not Seamus Haney, and never mind. But you know, by the author of Brave New World, it's obvious to us 
that this so-called utopia was brought about by completely awful means, whether it's absolute government control or genetic manipulation, basically eugenics, compliance, basically eugenics. Actually, we see a bit of eugenics and then we get, we get, actually I was, that's a good segue because when we start getting snippets of stuff about what the future is like, good Lord, it's horrifying, but it looks like an actual utopia. Mm -hmm. The, the dystopia elements are below the surface because because Rancic tells us that the world's basically implemented eugenics. They create perfect children before they're even born. Mm-hmm. There is no imperfection anymore. He even says the future is not kind to imperfection. So basically we manufacture children, which means at the very least three, I don't know about trip, but at least three of our Rangers from the future are products of this, mm. you know, engineered from, from before birth to be quote unquote perfect, mm. no disease, no deviation, no birth defects, nothing. But then mutants are a problem. They're deviation. And did you see like this illustration we got? It's kind of like this flash forward where it's in a white room. It looks very sterile. And it, we have babies coming down an assembly line basically it's kind it's it's, it's a hor- it's, this is a kid's show this is it's horrifying very, it's very horrifying and the fact that rancic even exists is was an accident yeah because all the mutants they're they're deviations they're genetic deviations they're deviants you know we don't like that we don't mm-hmm. like that because that they're strange and they're they're imperfect and because they're imperfect they're oppressed and because they're oppressed they're violent <laughs> you know they're murderous they're criminals we lock them up we turn them into toys and we stuff them into these little tubes and lock them away if we don't just kill them you know mm. and rancic as a mutant is a zealot and he wants to beat the oppressors and if that means traveling back in time before where there's no time force where he can implement it where he has the upper hand <laughs> by zordon he's gonna do that you know and just so that aspect of it is horrifying and then we find out there's memory adaptation which according to them i don't know how they didn't know this but apparently this is standard procedure so that people can quote unquote acclimate back to the present and i'm like who the heck are you people why haven't they done it to you i kind of wonder why they haven't done it to him but i'm just it just so they erase their memories so that they don't think about being in the past. It's it just seems that's Orwell. That's an Orwellian nightmare to me. Yeah, it's just you know wiping your memory of experiencing the past so that you can quote unquote acclimate back to the present. Good grief! <laughs> well, it's it kind of it kind of goes into the idea that we were talking about earlier that that idea of. Well, when we were just talking about the year 3000, that year of Im- that kind of idea of imperfection being yeah. shunned, that yeah. imperfection being, it's shunned. being shunned, the choice is being removed. You don't get mm-hmm. to choose, you know, uh, you don't get to choose anything. I mean, technically, if they were doing this naturally, you don't have any choice either. But this is all being predetermined you know, with you know, by science. There's nothing left to chance mm-hmm. with this. And you don't get to, you know, and then, you know, they're told you don't have a choice. You're going through memory adaptation. You have to acclimate. You have to conform. Hmm. 
like I said, it's an, really a nightmare. So we really, as the season progresses, we start to see the cracks in this utopia. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that Time Force even exists, you could make the argument uh, that they're trying to maintain, you know, kind of like in Loki, you know, maintain that sacred timeline. You know, things have to play out this way. This is how destiny has determined things. Mm-hmm. I, it's just you know, conformity, lack of, you know, uh, taking choice away. I mean, it's just, it's kind of horrifying. Like well, I they're said, playing, they're, they're playing God in that moment. Oh, but there's so much playing God. They're, they're playing, they're playing God in that moment. And it's, and they're toying around and it. I'm not saying that there is not a clear, there's, there, um, there is a very, there's very much a clear, this is your good guy. This is your bad guy. Like there, there, there is that clear distinction between the two, but there are moments like with the, uh, the reconditioning and things like that, that start to blur the line of, well, maybe, maybe Rancic has a point. Maybe Rancic has a point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Rancic is in his own twisted way, right for yeah. wanting to and go back that, and, cha- and change and, things. And when you have a villain where the audience is willing to say he might be right, that's a dangerous villain. That is a mm-hmm. terrifying villain. If you're willing to say he might be right. That's how all dictators who have had any kind of influence across history have been developed is like, they have an idea that sounds either plausible or something that people can attach themselves to. And then they later become dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I compared Rancic to uh, Magneto earlier mm-hmm. in the newer the renderings of Magneto's backstory. If you've seen the movies, you know, this he's a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen. So so that's, it's similar to what we have here. So he survived the Holocaust. He survived the, the most horrifying example, uh, or at least one of the most horrifying examples of what racism can do. Mm -hmm. And I think we see something similar here with Rancic where, yeah, he is rejected by everybody. The no one tolerates imperfection, mm. you know, and he's seen as imperfect. So they they can't even bear to look at him. We are, we are not born. We are not born perfect. And I want to kind of go back to where out the the seed that I planted early on in the episode that we are not born perfect. Uh, that but we are born with some level of innocence to us, mm-hmm. and. Um, the, the racism and the evils that people do or the evils that people attach themselves to like racism, like xenophobia and these other things and these other ideas, they're, they're things that are learned and mm-hmm. developed over time. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they're developed and learned through your environment yeah. and through the, and through your interactions. Mm-hmm. So in another timeline to use the timeline, sh- to use the time travel shenanigans, if Rancic was treated differently, would he have ended? Would he have ended up differently, or was he predestined to be the bad guy? Well, or to be seen as the bad guy. Well, and that's why I think uh, Frax, you know, begs Nadira, stop doing this. He realized she's breaking the cycle. She's figuring it out, mm-hmm. and we we've talked about you know about things like racism and prejudice, all that being learned. We've seen the effects of generational racism. 
mm-hmm. and there are people who have to choose to not think like their parents. They yes. realize what they've been told was just was untrue that it was even at points evil. So yeah. they choose not to believe that anymore. And Nadira does that. It takes her a few episodes, but she starts to figure it out. And then she figures it out. And then she breaks the cycle, which leads us into, we'll talk about when we get to the awards, leads to one of the most subversive moments mm-hmm. in, in that I've seen in Power Rangers so far. And it's a very powerful moment too. Melodramatic, yes, because it's, you know, it's a kid show, but right. still a very powerful, effective moment mm-hmm. where she finally says no it's not true anymore i will not hate she chooses to stop the hate and then by doing that she show her father sees the light it's crazy and then we see that with uh, with nauticon in that trip episode where it's the quantum ranger who has to make the choice to not hate mutants to not just assume they're all violent criminals you know, because even because that plays into this to this world building because Nauticon says like, all I did was petty theft. I stole food so I could survive. Yeah. And then they put me in jail. I don't want to hurt anybody. And then yeah. they it, Frax tries to use him like a meat puppet and just, you know, involuntary motor control. Just try to get him to do things. Now, I do think Nauticon has got a, some serious issues where he seems to relish being frozen and all that but i I wonder if that's kind of a a hint at just how put upon he is that living basically as a freeze-dried action figure is preferable to you know waking life i mean i could get really dark with that if i wanted to the show doesn't go there but that's some that's some interesting implications because he's such a he's such an innocent almost fragile little creature well, it's almost like, and, I, and I'll I'll go here briefly, but it's almost like the reason why we've seen, you know, suicide rates spike, yeah, within certain within 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 certain communities, you know, yeah, uh, because they find it preferable to be dead rather than than live with with the prejudice and live with the yeah and live with the burden of being looked upon as less than yeah. Yeah, it is. But so we see we're seeing all of this and we're seeing characters make choices. I choose to be my own man. I choose to save the father of basically my romantic rival. Jen chooses Alex, excuse me, chooses Wes over Alex because she realizes that Alex is not the man she thought he was. Hmm. We have characters who choose to stop the cycle of hate. We see characters make bad choices. We see characters choose to hate, yeah, and then they suffer the consequences of it. It makes me wonder if maybe Jen had her blinders on the whole time because now that now that we have the idea of reconditioning being introduced into this series, was Jen in a way conditioned the way to 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 be who she was, and then she discovered, oh, the world, the world, and the people I love aren't, aren't actually who I think they are. And she, like, it's like, it's like I said early on the episode, Wes is the Alex that Jen thought he was or thought he should, or thought she wanted him to, or wanted Mm -hmm. him to be. Mm -hmm. 
And in a lot of ways, Alex represents the rigidity of that dystopian year 3000, that, you know, secretly dystopian year 3000, where everything is controlled and imperfection is weeded out. Yeah, strength, strength and resolve above all else. Strength and resolve above and duty and uh, being part, being, um, uh, uh, being, 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 um, conforming. There we Mm -hmm. go. Conforming to the, conforming to the cause Mm -hmm. is more important than your individual, than your individual. Yeah. Individuality, individual, individual. Use your words. Individualness. Yeah. There we go. Individuality. Individuality. There we go. (laughs) You choose to say the word, dang it. (laughs) I choose it. I will choose my destiny of saying the word correctly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's, it it permeates this show. And honestly, It's in a way it saddens me that something that has so much hidden depth that took such risks that went places that you wouldn't necessarily expect was bold enough to do that to the point where it was considered to just to be a primetime show probably aimed at families. And all I have to say is the Saban era goes off on one of the highest of high notes and to be honest, when I went forward in my viewing, to I, and I know there are people who love Wild Force, and you can go ahead and love Wild Force, but coming on the heels of Time Force, I was so let down because I'm just like, Time Force was so good. So good. And it, it's the themes of Time Force, I'm not going to play the sounder for this, but it, they're timeless. And to be honest, I feel like in some ways the things that time force deals with are more relevant now than they were 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to get into too much about current events, but yeah, I think it's highly, highly relevant. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what makes it. It's that's what makes this rewatch of the franchise, I believe so important. And I'm not saying that we're self-important by doing this. No, not at all. this was a passion project dreamed up by the two, the two of us that we wanted to yeah. explore the deeper themes within a kid's show. Yeah. And, they, and the seasons like time force, I think are they're rife for our format and, and talking about this. Seven seasons like time force and in space and even to a degree, um, yeah, Zio and some of those earlier seasons, they make slogging through things like turbo worth it because you can kind of uh you can you you have that sweet candy empty calories of turbo but then you get the steak the steak dinner with the mashed potatoes and the and the veg and the and the grilled vegetables and things with time force and that's kind of that contrast there and that's kind of how I'm able to analyze or mm-hmm. at, make the analogy um but yeah this this has been this has been an incredible journey so far and I'm looking forward to, to going forward in the franchise. And yeah. I have to, I have to some degree just like you, mm-hmm. uh, but man, time force is going to be tough. Time force, is <sighs> time, be tough. For, time force sets a bar very high. It's not perfect by, uh, by any means. No, it's got, no. so, it's got some things and we'll talk about that a bit more in the, uh, in our ranking episode 
you know, the a couple of the Ranger characters I don't think get as much play as they should. Yeah. But I mean, and then, you know, it's like I said, you know, we, we I need we need to bring Katie back into this. You know, Katie I, does she have super strength because she was, you know, given that, you know, engineered to be that way, you know, which makes or, her different. Not everybody has super strength. Or was it a mutation? Or was it a mutation? But, you know, she's still, quote unquote, human. So she doesn't get oppressed, mm. which is so interesting because, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it, but it's kind of interesting that it's the black woman who has super strength. So she has this deviation we'll say, but I guess because it's a useful deviation, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't get, she doesn't become part of the oppressed class. Mm. That's a, it's just a fascinating point that I just thought of right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. It is. We, and we and we've already gone long as it is, but we've There's, been given there, permission to be long. So, right. <laughs> we, I think that, you know, I think seasons like time force warrant a very long discussion because like I said, there is just, there is a lot of substance and there's a lot of meat you can pull out yeah. from something like time force. Uh, it's not, it's not perfect. Like we talked about, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect season. It, it is yeah. still power Rangers. So it does come with a little bit of that baggage, but but I will, but I will agree with you. There is that, but yeah, but yeah, there but oh my gosh, when time force is good, it is, <laughs> it might be it's, some of the best storytelling in the franchise. Well, it's, it's highs are really astronomical and it's lows are even, even I would, I'm not going to like, I'm not trying to say time force is, 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 is the best season that it, it that it's, but I will say that even in its low points, it's still compelling. Yeah, for sure. Because it's it's having fun. Like the so-called low points is just the show having fun. Like a two-part episode that's just a tribute to movies. It's it's, it's 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 embracing it's embracing itself in like, yeah. the, the the two-parter at the the two-parter with all the movies. Yeah, just, that's the it's thing. Embracing that, it. Yeah, that's the thing that's so great about Time Force is that it's incredibly grown up and mature at points, but then at other points, it's like you know what? Let's cut loose and have a little bit of fun, and we'll. But it does it in a way that doesn't seem pandering that yeah. doesn't it seem does, like it's talking down it's just like let's have fun you know yeah and, and it does it and, and it and it does it in a way that doesn't disrupt the flow or disrupt the the uh the pacing of yeah. the season because we've already talked about early on where this season is very well paced like it is extremely well paced um throughout the entire thing so yeah uh like i said we are running a little bit long so nathan we yeah. actually have Need to get, to get into to the our awards awards our award segment so nathan uh yep. take give some uh, give the uh, blah, blah, just transition us into the awards. <laughs> all right time for the awards which we give out to standout elements from each of the seasons of power rangers that we have discussed we totally stole it stole it from my other show henshin men which doesn't make sense how can i steal from myself we borrowed but made it better sure keep telling yourself that i'm sure it helps you sleep at night anyway so our first one is the power range of motion for the best stunt or fight scene. So, mine, we mentioned Jatara earlier. Admittedly, it's one of the Matrix references. <laughs> Thankfully, they don't, weirdly enough, they only do it a little bit early on and then that trails off pretty fast after that. 
but they use this clip in the opening sequence a heck of a lot for a while throughout the show. So you saw it all, 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 numerous times, but they did bullet time. Super Sentai and Power Rangers did bullet time. Thank you for reminding me that this is the that this is the early 2000s and the Matrix is a thing, Time Force. <laughs> when we see bullet time with the Time Force Megazord and Jatara lunging at each other in the city set, and then we get the woo, bullet time wraparound with the camera. It's it's a time capsule, and I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> for that reason because the matrix was heavily influenced by anime and anime and tokusatsu are you know influence each other quite a bit so it only makes sense that something influenced by japanese media would then be copied by japanese media yeah now i had a really hard time with this award and i texted you i said there are so many there is good- i had a, i considered a lot <laughs> I had, uh, it was, it got to the point where I wrote a bunch down and basically just covered my eyes, did the finger circle and whichever one my finger landed on, that's the one I picked. Yeah. So if you think I'm lying listener with attitude, I'm not. Um, so for my power range of motion award, I'm going to give it to Rancic versus Alex, uh, in, in the, the first episode. In the first episode, yeah. Yeah, because it ends with ranger murder. <laughs> it, it, it ends with ranger murder first. It ends with ranger murder, but it does a really good job of establishing that that Rancic is, yeah, he's our lead bad guy, and we've had yeah. lead bad guys in the past that are a little bit more hands-off. Yeah, look at you, Lord Zed. <laughs> I am the emperor of all I see. I don't need to get involved. <laughs> Or, well, no, I, I was going to say King Mondo, but King Mondo got pretty involved. <laughs> later. Um, <laughs> later. But that episode establishes Rancic as a legitimate threat because he's willing to get involved and he's no slouch because he killed a, a quote unquote. Yeah, he basically killed a ranger for all intents and purposes. I mean, like, first scene, like scene one, within like a minute, he's like, oh, you. And he picks a fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no slouch for sure for sure and then we go on to shut up about it travis okay but the ultra sfx zord award and mine it's a little bit similar to to mighty morphin season two when i gave it to Rai the tiger you know when the uh the red dragon and, and warrior mode is riding the the tiger zord because uh, we get something like that, unfortunately, it only happens once as far as I can remember, which is the Typhorce Megazord riding the back of the Q-Rex when it's in dinosaur mode. Your argument is invalid and you have no reason to be sad. <laughs> if you are ever sad, like you had a bad day at work or whatever it is that's bothering you, just find that scene, find that image. Just look at it for about 30 seconds and you will be incredibly happy. <laughs> That's that, that is a, that is a wonderful choice. I, um, I had that on my list, um, but I'm actually going to go with the, my ultra SFX Zord award. I got it right. This time um, goes to 
actually the scene that you just talked about where they're doing the matrix move between uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, one scene can get more than one award. It's totally right. cool. I it's mean, there to- was an episode of Henshin Men where one of my guests gave three of the four awards to the same moment. <laughs> yeah. So it's technically CGI and I love practical. Okay. See, I that's love- it. That's something interesting. This is, I think this is the first Sentai and Power Rangers that uses CGI. Yes, but it's well, n- n- not the f- first. There was a little bit of for CGI the Zords. The- I mean, yeah. Well, okay, bit- okay. The, the the Mighty Morphin movie, but we're talking about the TV shows. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about Lightspeed Rescue. Lightspeed Rescue uses a little bit of CGI. Okay, that is true. But this one uses it a bit more. But it's only when the Zords are assembling, mm. and even then, the entire assembly sequence is not CGI. Some of it's practical. Mm-hmm. Some of it's practical, but the scene, the scene that you just talked about was really obscure and epic and odd at the same time, uh, that I had to just go ahead and give it because I couldn't yeah. think of anything else. Because again, of. it's, it's, it's something that is like, that was that moment in pop culture right there. Cause the matrix was, oh my gosh, for like a hot minute, the matrix was the coolest thing, you know, in right. everyone's minds. Yeah. I don't think it's aged as well as some other things, but I almost, I almost gave it to just blanket Q-Rex. Yeah, because the Q-Rex is such a great. <laughs> I just, I, I thought that was cheating, and I didn't want to. I, I, I yeah. thought that was just kind of like a, a phone-in kind type of award. So I went ahead and just gave it to one of the Matrix references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> I understand. And now we get to more phenomenal Mad Libs for the best line. We've already talked about the one. See, I had a hard time because I'm like there's some really profound lines and exchanges in this. And then there was, there was one that I'm just like, that is just such a perfect action movie. One liner. I, cause like I've said before, I go for, I go for lines that are either BA funny or just patently absurd <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Profound BA or funny is generally what I go for. And so I kind of had both really the entire exchange that we discussed earlier between Adira and Frax. That was basically what I gave it to, but my runner up on a lighter note (laughs) goes to our boy Brickneck. (laughs) You and I talked, you and I talked about this. Okay. I know. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, this is so perfect in action movie one liner. This is so perfect because it's an interesting variation on kind of a cliche. But anyway, so the Rangers are getting their butts kicked by Brickneck. And then I think Katie says something about how he's too tough for us. And then Lucas says, no one's too tough for the Power Rangers. (laughs) Brickneck responds with, well, allow me to introduce myself. I'm no one and I'm too tough for the Power Rangers. like. I love you, Brickneck. <laughs> that that is gold. I read whole books looking for lines that good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so f- for my more phenomenal, more phenomenal Mad Lib award, 
Uh, I'm actually going to give it to a more somber moment or a little more serious moment that plays more into the theme of what we're talking about, which is choosing your destiny, choosing your future, etc. Mine is a conversation between Wes and his father, Mr. Collins. And it said it's from uh, the episode Worlds Apart. And it's 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 the conversation they're having. I think I believe it's towards the end where it's where his father says, uh, Wes, I have this whole future planned out for you. And Wes responds with your future, not mine. For the first time in my life, I'm really making a difference. All my life, I've done what you want me to do. Now I'm in control of my own future. And the reason why I picked that one, like you, I like to pick things that are just funny uh, or actually mean something or drive home a uh, part of the uh, thematics for a particular season. So I, I picked that one just because we've talked a lot about Wes and we've talked a lot about how his growth, about how he's grown and his, his journey with, even with his relationship with his father and how his father's grown uh, and kind of the compare and contrast there. And I just, that's the reason why I picked it. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that is a good one. That is, I think I considered that one as well. And now we get to, I, I, I can't believe that happened for the craziest moment, which leads us back for me to, a little bit more of our thematic discussion and I've been hyping it this whole, I think feel like the whole episode, this has one of the most subversive finales. I think I have seen in power Rangers so far. I don't think it can be equaled. It makes it the, and it's appropriately titled. It's a three-parter, which is good. It's like, they learned this from countdown to destruction. Like just make your finale three parts. If you have to, <laughs> it the end of time i love this hyperbolic title and then you know the doctor show up oh wait i'm sorry you know that's a different end of time when the in doctor who sorry that's when david Tennant regenerated i'm getting a little confused sorry anyway so i will admit it gets a i feel like it could have they should have made it a little bit clearer a little bit sooner that it was the trisarium crystals and the q-rex and in doomtron that are creating all the time anomalies you know, but that's like the one and only black mark I have against the finale. But good grief, the climax. <laughs> oh my gosh. Rancic takes on all the Rangers except for, uh, except for Eric. Because as usual, we got to get the sixth Ranger out of the, you know, out of the equation because he mops the floor with all of them. Yes. Even Wes using his ridiculous battleizer he just takes all of them out in a couple of hits a piece his burning roman centurion yeah basically battleizer. he just he only he hits and he hits all of them so hard that they demorph that's how hard he hits them you know he basically just one, one or two shots all of them and then jen is trying to lure him away she's unmorphed so she's like come and get me come and get me and then runs into this derelict building and in that building, because we had seen her run in there before, is Nadira. And she found, while in all the chaos, while everyone is running, she found a baby, an unattended baby. You know, the, the parents had probably just run away, lost their child in the chaos. She takes the baby. She is cradling this child, this human child. And then, you know, it, it, there's all this destruction happening. Rancic is trying to pick another fight with Jen and Jen is, she's beat up. She could barely walk. She's trying her best to try to take Rancic down. And Rancic is just 
he is 110% intent on just killing her because he's already had Wes blow up in his face. <laughs> and that's how he lost the battleizer. He lost his faceplate, so we can just see the full ugliness of him at this point. And then he sees he is basically on the verge of just getting to what's probably going to be his last fight with Jen. We have no idea which of them is going to come out alive. And then he sees his daughter there cradling this child and begging him to stop. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, just how can you hate this? That's basically what she was saying. Like, how can you hate this? Referring to the, you know, referring to this, this innocent baby. Mm-hmm. And she even gives the child to him, which I'm sure just like Jen even kind of reacts like, Oh my gosh, he put a baby in this, in this man's hands. She's freaking out. She tenses up. She's like, Oh my gosh. And then he looks at it. He looks at the baby. He looks at his daughter. And he comes to the same realization that she did. It's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And he just surrenders. He just surrenders. No big action finale. Nothing. He just surrenders. I couldn't believe it. The first time I was watching, it's like, are you kidding me? This is how it ends? I, my fr- my friends uh, Nick and Tim have a podcast called uh, Derail Trains of Thought, and they actually it's about storytelling. And they had an episode where they the subject was can you write a good story that has even something like an action story that has a nonviolent ending. Hmm. And I actually wrote them into their show, and I said, "Here's an example for you." And I told them about this show because I'm like, I can't believe it. He just surrenders. What yeah. Power Rangers villain does that? None of them. So that's the answer, except yeah, this we're, guy. Yeah, we're and we're parking here because this is my award too. So this, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So I, you know, it's I it's was really prepared the first time it, I watched this. I was it, unprepared for this. It's really it's really interesting, and um, uh, and Aaron Chahil, the actress that plays uh, Jen Scott, uh, really sells this. Like she sells that. Yeah. Cause she doesn't believe it. Yeah. She's in, she's incredible. Like she never takes her eyes off of him. She's very hesitant. Like she's reaching behind her back to get handcuffs. And she's like, she's waiting for him to pull. And it's something. almost, and it's almost like Rancic is standing there. Like, yes, it's true. Just put the cuffs on me. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, he, he like Rancic knows like Rancic knows that <clears throat> the cycle ends with him. The cycle mm-hmm. ends with him, especially he, since he realized what he's doing is on the verge. Uh, you know, almost got like the person that he loves the most in the world killed. Yeah, he. I, mean, I, I just realized something. We don't know anything about Nadira's mother. Maybe, maybe humans killed her mother. Maybe, maybe that helped but to feel that. Rancic has sent has Rancic has spent this entire season trying to trying to essentially rewrite history and and in his own uh really destructive way break a cycle but i doubt that he thinking about the character i i doubt that he re- I, I doubt that he would have realized that he was going to break that cycle in the way he did like i'm sure that he had a totally different pl- well he did he had a yeah, totally if, different if, plan the way the his his plan was conquest his plan was conquest but Honestly, like the way you break the cycle is uh, is a lot of times just through peace and reconciliation. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what he did. He said, I'm ending it now. The violence ends with me. Mm-hmm. And it, and if by doing that, and if I can bring peace, maybe this will end it for everybody. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, I would love to see that. The you know, hey, Boom Studios, give me some more stuff about that. You know, show me what happened after Rancic surrendered in the year three thousand when he went back. I want to see that story. I want to see that revolution. <laughs> that, that's. I'm telling you, that is rife with potential. It is. It really it is. is. Rancic is, like I said, I went into it expecting camp. When I first watched Time Force, I'd heard all these things like, oh, Rancic is so great, blah, 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 blah. But when I finally watched it for myself, I was like, oh, I guess those people were right. Yeah, which is why I have some issues with Wild Force. And now, Michael... <laughs> We need to start wrapping things up because we've been at this for a while. But uh, appropriately, guess what time it is? It's morphin' time. So this is the part of the show where we give our final thoughts, although we've kind of already done it a bit (laughs) on any on a particular (laughs) season in one minute or less. Okay, Michael, are you ready? I'm ready. On your mark, get set, go, go, time for us. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> time force is time force takes everything that you have loved and, and appreciated about the power Rangers franchise up to this point and just dials it up to 11. Oh between, my gosh. Does it <laughs> between the, between the compelling characters, the, the villains with something to say, cause you and I have talked about, we love like, we love good villains, but we also like good villains with have a lot of depth to them. And yeah. this, this delivers. In oh, it, it delivers it in spades. And this, this for me was when the franchise reached the peak of growing up with the oh, audience, absolutely. which yeah. is, I'm going to save it for the next episode. I understand, but I, I, I'm trying not to be harsh, but time force is so good. <laughs> it is. I, just, I can't so, say so, that. It is so, so, so good. good. And uh, the, going to the, going on from here was difficult for me in my own personal journey through this franchise and mm-hmm. time. So, yeah. So, you know, it's, man, it's, I'm re I'm really, I'm really curious how this is going to shake, how, how this is, how, where this is going to rank when we talk about like ranking these seasons, yeah. ranking the journey so far. Yeah. And speaking of that, Nathan, do you want to talk about our next episode? Yeah. Well, it'll be the lightning round where we do the ranking, but in terms of the actual tent pole episodes, we are getting to Power Rangers Wild Force, which, depending on who you talk to, is either the end of the Saban era or the beginning of the Disney era. It's kind of weird. It's a transitional season. Yeah, it's, it's in a weird position. Got, it's kind of got a foot in both camps. It's weird. Mm-hmm. We're operating under the, it's the beginning of the Disney era, because this is the first, because this was airing when Disney bought the franchise. You know, so we'll get into that. But, yeah. but we're having our first guest for a tentpole episode, our co-host at Common. <laughs> He's coming Travis, back because we have him up for the lightning round. Travis Alexander, my co-host on Henshinmen and your co-host on Kaiju Weekly. He's yep. coming on to talk about Wild Force. Apparently, he's a Wild Force fan. I was unaware of this until we were talking with him about it. But yeah, actually, uh, what's fun, and you and I talked about this when we when we first started this podcast. You and I 
and I hope this doesn't sound selfish, but you and I kind of wanted to do the original Saban era by ourselves Mm -hmm. and just have those conversations and really kind of lay that groundwork for our listeners to what they can expect and dive deep into some of these things because we already knew that there was a lot of stuff we were going to have to mine out and you just having multiple people on a podcast doing that gets Mm -hmm. a little gets at least it gets messy. So we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we were, we were establishing ourselves within this journey mm-hmm. before we started having guests. Mm-hmm. So we're, we are going to be having more guests going forward. We mm-hmm. actually have several guests slated, uh, for the Disney era. We have yep. well, Travis, our yep. co-host in yep. common. We're also going to have Kaiju Kim. We're going to have, uh, uh, Jack Hudgens. Jack Hudgens. Yeah. We're going to have our friends, uh, Chris uh, Cook. Chris Cook. Yeah. I'm looking forward to talking with Chris. Uh, we're also going to have uh, our friends over at the Zio to Hero podcast mm-hmm. come on at some point in the future. Uh, I think they're slated for Ninja Steel. If I I'm know. Samurai. Samurai. Okay. So they're coming. They're coming up. Uh, if you enjoyed that conversation with those guys. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to kind of this, this next leg in our journey through this franchise. Yeah. Yeah. But now, uh, now Michael... It's time to say our final goodbyes. May you never get ran sick of us in this podcast. You deserve that. And may you break the cycle of hate. And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at the Power Trip Pod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya! This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC.